This Week in Startups is brought to you by Help Scout, the customer service platform built for starting and scaling up. Eligible startups get Help Scout for only $50 for the first 12 months. Visit helpscout.com slash twist to learn more. SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Save time and money no matter what you ship or mail. Try it free for 30 days and get a free 10-pound scale when you visit pb.com slash twist. And NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Get NetSuite's free guide, 7 Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, when you go to netsuite.com slash twist. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Startups. It's your boy, Jason Calacanis. And yes, I have a bit of a sore throat, but don't worry. I've got two very talkative people with me for today's news roundtable. You guys have been complaining we haven't done a news roundtable in a while, and you're right. We need to do more news roundtables, and that's one of our big goals for 2020. Uh, back on the program for his ninth appearance, Ian Tom- Thompson <laughs> is with us. He is with The Register, uh, where he is uh, a journalist and an editor. And The Register is an antagonistic journalistic mm. publication and tech, we correct? call it like we see it the motto is uh, biting the hand that feeds it right but uh yeah we we generally when prs ask me you know it's like how do we get into the register the simple answer is well just screw up really badly we'll be there for you, yeah. you know? <laughs> um and uh kristen dumont is back with us i threatened that after she did an amazing appearance on episode 975 talking about machine zone and her journey from a partner at wilson sonsini to being the ceo of machine zone and then taking it over is back on the program. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. We had a great time when you were on the pod. Yes, we got to talk about WeWork. We got to talk about WeWork and a bunch of <laughs> Arnold stuff. Arnold Schwarzenegger, all kinds of fun stuff. Oh, don't get me you did your impression. I did. Don't get me started uh, on WeWork. We're in one of their offices at the moment, and are it's you? grim. Really grim. How so? How is it oh, grim? they've started cutting back on everything, so, you know, there's uh, been a piece of gum in the urinal in the toilet for the last five days <laughs> uh they've taken away the free beer and that's only on one floor now and instead we've got seltzer was the water was the free beer well exactly yeah i mean particularly for british journalists um i thought it was pretty lame when we were there that they were so antagonistic with the cleaning staff that was a big tell for me that this yeah. guy adam was a yeah. huge d-bag mm-hmm. was they kept going on strike and i'm like okay wait a second these are the people who are cleaning the bathrooms and making us coffee does it actually matter if they get paid fifteen, twenty, or twenty-five dollars an hour, and get benefits, or you have to make them contractors and try to squeeze yeah. the the people who are making the least in the building? The building is filled with professionals. WeWork has raised tens, whatever, over ten billion dollars or something, or billions mm-hmm. at the time, and they're they're giving a hard time to the cleaning staff. And the whole purpose is the space. The space is yeah. beautiful. Come be in our space. Right. It that makes would- no, actually makes no sense. It would be like having a restaurant and be like, you know what? I'm going to just squeeze the life out of the waiters and the prep chefs. and mm. Roaches are fine. Who cares? Yeah, just who cares about the quality of the product? It what? shows you how deranged I mean, Adam Newman was. They're also massively sensitive about social media because when they took the beer away, I tweeted out a photo of it with WeWork tagged. Within three hours, I'd had a WeWork staffer come up and apologize to me and ask if I wouldn't mind taking down the tweet. Oh, my God. And it's just like you can't run a company on social media. It's stupid. This is when you know your company and when your company and you have made bad life choices is when you're asking people to take tweets down. Yeah. Like when you're playing that level of defense, it's time for a little introspection perhaps. I think there's a lot of introspection going on right now, don't you think? That we were. Oh, it's brutal. I would think so. Um, You know, 
the, there's a lot of people who are pursuing the business model. Yeah. And we've got a couple of companies that are in space-related businesses, not directly competitive. It's a smart space. Yeah, it was a great business, and there's a lot of interesting business models around there. But once somebody basically you know, spoils it for everybody, now all these companies are having a hard time because people are like, oh, the space is radioactive. Let's stay away from it. And meanwhile, Adam walks off with his billions of wonder barefoot through the streets of New York. That was it's... also like, I mean, what a hit and run. Oh, yeah. He liked, in order to get him out of the company, they just had to pay him a billion on the way out or it's, something crazy. It baffles the mind. Uh, SoftBank has really lost the plot at the moment. It's stunning. All right. Uh, let's get right into it. Right off the bat, Bezos's phone was allegedly hacked by not only Saudi Arabia, but MBS, Mohammed bin Salim. Solomon, um, colloquially known as MBS, uh, who did a big tour of Silicon Valley a couple of years ago. There's a lot of pictures of people cozying up to him, like Zuckerberg, et cetera, uh, Mark Andreessen, et cetera. Um, and now the claim is that Bezos received a WhatsApp text from MBS. It had an MP4 file, which Bezos opened. I think that's a video file. Mm-hmm. And... Um, before the hack, he had 430 kilobits of data coming from his phone per day. And after it, he had 101 megabits, 232x increase, which would lead one to believe they were sending, taking everything off of his phone. Uh, and then there was this claim that he was uh, taunting him about his extramarital affair as well, mm-hmm. MBS, that is. Uh, what do you think? I mean, you're, you're pretty close to the hacking and that space, Ian. What do you think? Well, did okay. MBS do it? It's kind of outrageous, which is kind of his wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I I wouldn't doubt that he he had he'd have the will to do it. I think the what worries me about this and what worries a lot of people in the community is the 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 figure you just mentioned the the four thirty megabyte base use a uh, uh, yeah. kilobyte sorry base use for a phone, which. It just makes no sense because just turning a phone on should produce you know should produce higher data rate than yeah. that. Um, Unless you know people who are in his position, have multiple phones typically. Yeah. And they might have one just for WhatsApp, just in a you know pouch to not be tracked. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, or just you know. for having an affair. Well, mm. Yeah, well, you said it, not me. <laughs> but yeah, he might have a burner phone. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's a possibility. They haven't found the malware either, which um, it, could have, it could have deleted it. It could have been set to delete itself afterwards. But if you go to all that trouble to get it on there, why not leave it on there? Uh, and the only technical uh, sort of deep deep dive into this has been from a firm hired by Jeff Bezos. So there's no real consistency to, or no way that you can trust the data without actually getting in there with oh, both he, hands. he hired that guy, um, the physical security guy. Yeah. DeBecker. Yeah, yeah. Gavin. Gavin DeBecker. Yeah. I know Gavin. One of his guys trained me uh, to He's use my He's a physical pest, security so. guy. Yeah, no, I mean, literally Turned when I had a stalker cyber issue, security somebody put me in touch with one of Gavin's guys, right. and he trained me on how to use my firearm. Mm. Oh, Which was kind of okay. cool to have like a CIA Green Beret guy shut down. I mean, it's expensive, but yeah. it's worth it when you have security concerns. But that doesn't make sense because it's security concerns. But Well, I mean, he's got a good reputation in the industry, but he was talking about the Saudi links from months ago. Yeah. And this report is sort of, it seemed to confirm it. And I mean. But wasn't the report commissioned to go find something? That's what's suspicious about it. Here, rub. spend whatever you got to spend mm. and please go find that the Saudis hacked my phone. Yeah. I mean, I understand he's really pissed off about the, the blackmail attempt. I'm very respectful in the way I, he handled it perfectly. He went balls out and just said, you know, 
so to these, speak. these photos exist so to speak yes <laughs> but just like these photos exist i'm not particularly embarrassed about them i'm the richest man in the world do what you want um but or they're going to come out anyway so let me yeah. pretend i'm being super brave but i mean the alternative thing is that his uh Paramore sent her brother the pictures, which, why would you do that in the first place? That and is he the then, most creepy, weird then, thing, creepiest ever. thing ever. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and tell my siblings right now. <laughs> yeah, check this out. No. Here. No. Jamie, Josh, no. Don't check send out me these, anything. Check out the nudes. <laughs> well, also, I mean, if he and, and if that wasn't the case, he hasn't sued the National Enquirer, but then again, you do need an awful lot of money to sue the National Enquirer. The Enquirer also has links with the Saudis, but it's just so... There's, there's so much fluff going around and there's no proof, and as a you know, from a hacking perspective, you need proof and you need something which will stand up. And we don't have it as yet. I think the PR strategists who came up with this deserve the round of applause here. Yeah. It's like sex, Sanchez and Saudis. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's just so it much clickbait. It's pretty great. And so everyone just went bananas and yeah. suspended all intellectual rigor and loved it that it was supposedly the Saudis. I mean, this is thin, thin evidence. That report is extraordinarily thin. Yeah. I and know. it was much more pedestrian than that. She got nudes. She shows them to her brother, whether or not that was nefarious or not, or part of a plot. Other people, I'm sure, will speculate about that. And then he tries to sell them to the Inquirer. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now we're all sort of getting I, trolled. I, my hot take on this is yes. don't take nudes. I know. Yeah. And no, if you're men, a high prof- men don't take nudes. I'm going to just say no, overall anyone. don't take <laughs> nudes. And if you don't explicitly want them on the interwebs, because that's where they it's, all wind up. It eventually. always does. It, it always does. That's like does. 100% of the time that's that happens. Right. And then also, if you're incredibly powerful, don't buy a newspaper and go to war with the president. And then expect nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Mm. I mean, this president is and MBS are very good at retribution. It's kind of their speciality is to, to ex- oh, yeah. exact the Saudi, the Saudi, the Saudis have built an entire governmental system about it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's easy to finger the Saudis. It's Occam's razor would suggest it's the brother. But um, well, we know it's the brother. Do well, we, we, know, we don't know that the brother does a hacking. Something something yeah. potentially odd is happening on his phone. Here's That's literally it. We don't know anything beyond that except no. that the brother you know, said, I'm going to sell the photos for 200 grand. And that's it. Th- those are the facts. Um, I'm going to make a hard link here, a hard turn. I just realized Jeff Bezos actually went down in a helicopter crash, I believe, when he was looking at a ranch. Can you fact check that, Nick? Do a search for Jeff Bezos, oh. helicopter crash. And Sanchez... Is a helicopter pilot. Right. Like she mm. is, I think she may even be a stunt pilot. I think that's right. Uh, and isn't that, that how they met? It might be. Hel- I tell all my friends, stay out of helicopters. Oh, Rest yeah. in peace, Kobe and, uh, and his daughter and everybody else who was impacted by that. Here we go. Jeff Bezos had a brush with death. He did. Um, the billionaire was, I mean, look at these oppressive ads on Business Insider. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he was, was scouting, scouting for a properties. large ranch to buy in 2003. I remember this like it was and yesterday. And a pilot named Cheater. Come on, that can't <clears throat> be true. Um, I believe it. Uh, all of these, um, what, the dynamic with all of this, and it's a, it's a, it really is a tragedy um, with all these kids dying as well. It's just brutal to watch. Um, pilots who have rich, powerful clients take crazy chances all the time. Yeah. And it, or not all of them all the time, but with one pilot, I think that guy would take that risk if there had been two pilots. Mm. 
They would have looked at each other and said, hmm. not a what. <clears throat> they just told us to stay out of there. Should we do it? No. You have kids. I got kids. But when it's one pilot vert and they have the high profile client, they're like, and then some of these guys are hot dogs, right? Like, right. Hmm. or gals, maybe Sanchez is as well. But they, maybe they were in Nam, maybe they're in the army. Yeah. And then all the rich people I know who get pilots, they get these ones who have 50, you know, years yeah. or 40 years. They're, they're 50 year olds. They're gray hairs. They may have been in Vietnam. They may have done all these crazy missions. It's only a matter of time before you take a risk that you shouldn't take. I've seen it. I saw it up close and personal once. I was flying on somebody else's plane and they had too many bags. And we were coming from a ski resort and the pilot's like, too many bags. And then one of, I won't say who, but one of the passengers was like, oh yeah, can we make it this way? Can we fit it this way? And I just said, listen, when the pilot says too many, yeah. the pilot said too many. Like, yeah. are we really arguing with the pilot about the weight on the plane? You're not an expert on this. It was uncomfortable for me because I'm saying this to somebody whose plane it is. I was like, I don't really think we should be debating this with the pilot, right? Yeah, I mean, there are old pilots and there are bold pilots, but there aren't old, bold pilots. Yeah, I read that on Reddit. I yeah. Think that, that was good. <clears throat> but no, I mean, I know what you mean. I was taking a, a helicopter back from the British Grand Prix and with the pilot was just like, right, okay, should we have some fun? And started doing some mini aerobatics. It's just like, I'm hoping you know what you're doing because I have not a clue and this feels really quite un unnerving. All right, when we get back from this quick break, DJ Elon, DJ EDM, uh, take us uh, to commercial with a little Don't Doubt Your Vibe by my boy EDM. We'll be right back. It's too good. It's dire. It's so good. <laughs> oh. Do you know it costs at least five times as much to acquire a new customer as it does to keep an existing one? Your existing clients are your best new clients. Don't lose them. And a startup, especially ones in the SaaS space, that's software as a service, enterprise they call it sometimes as well, building relationships with your customers is everything. And without having those rabid, raving fans, those net promoter score nines and tens who are advocates for you, your business does not stand a chance because other people have curated and built those deep relationships to have advocates in the market selling your product when you're asleep or working on something else. But you can't earn raving fans with basic software that treats customers like a ticket. They don't want to be a ticket. They want to be an individual. Help Scout was created to fix that problem. It's a customer service platform designed with your customers in mind. No ticket numbers or robo-emails, just conversations with real people. Their all-in-one product includes shared inboxes for email, built-in live chat, and a help center for self-service content, which can be embedded on your website in just minutes. As your business scales from 100 to 10,000 to a million customers, Help Scout grows with you and leaves customers with a delightful human experience. Over 10,000 of the world's most customer-centric businesses like Basecamp, Trello, Figma, Superhuman, and Zapier are using Help Scout to talk with their customers and build that deep bond and turn them into super fans. Eligible startups under $1 million in funding, less than two years old, can access everything Help Scout has to offer for only $50 a month. For your first year, visit helpscout.com slash twist to learn more. That's helpscout.com slash twist to get started today. And thanks to my friends at Help Scout for supporting independent media like This Week in Startups. It means a lot to the fans of this show and to me and my team. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. All right, welcome back. It's the Z Morning Zoo, and that is DJ EDM with Don't Doubt Your Vibe. Uh, actually, that's Elon <laughs> Musk from Emoji Records. Um, and his new track, Don't Doubt Your Vibe, sweeping the nation and it's the, the interwebs. the inspirational track of 2020. It is. I feel like anytime you uh, do the short burn of the century, 
you're well within your right to le- release an EDM track. It's the gloat song. It's it good. is pretty clear what's happening here. I, I've got to say, though, as someone who still goes out clubbing you know, at weekends, if you put that on the dance floor at 2 o'clock in the morning at Public Works, you'll clear the floor. It's terrible. I know, but if your lead-in was, this is for everybody who ever doubted you, yeah. whoever <laughs> held you down, yeah. who didn't believe in you, take it back. If only there was someone close to him who understood music, who could explain to him that this is really, really bad. I don't I know. I like it. I have that. to say, I like it. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and this, I think this has Blood Pop's hands on it. Uh, a music producer I know in LA who we're mutual friends with. But I have, this, this feels like a Blood Pop production mm. to me. I'm not certain. He could have done it on his own. I mean, fair play to it. Go do, do what you want. But you Well, know. actually, it's the follow up track, which uh, uh, Elon what's, what's DM'd the me. Tra- track? Uh, Screw it's you, called, short sellers. It's called uh, Tesla Q. <laughs> Tesla Q, Tesla Q, 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 Tesla Q. But uh, in all seriousness, oh my lord, the people who shorted this stock (laughs) at 150 or 200, I'm not perfect at math, Mm -hmm. but I think they lost a ton of money and he told them not to do it. It's like a billion in a day. And I, to- I, I, I was on CNBC, I think it was three years ago, and they're like, what do you think about the short sales? I was like, you know, if there's somebody you want to bet against, I'm going go ahead and tell you, not Elon Musk, not Steve Jobs. Like, there's some people, Zuckerberg, you really don't want to bet against them. Like, pick a better target to bet against. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because these are people who will just work, outwork anybody. Yep. And I'm sympathetic to them. I'm sympathetic to the shorts because it doesn't make any sense. The stock price makes absolutely no sense. Explain. And you just have to decide it was not the Tesla IPO. It's the Elon Musk IPO. And so that's what we're trading on is sort of the Elon Musk personality because it's not a novel business. It's a low margin business. Selling cars. Yes. But self-driving cars, big question mark of how great that is. But when are they? That's not what I mean, uh, based on what I know. Uh, you know, as a driver to the car, and based on speculation, I could infer from public tweets and whatnot. I think they're a full 80 percent of the way there of miles driven. And I think when he says feature complete, he he doesn't mean you can leave the car and take the steering wheel out. He means it's feature complete that it will go from one location to the other, but with you having the ability to take over if it needs to. I, I think he's pretty close. And people believe in him. Again, it's the Elon Musk IPO, right? I'm, yeah. uh, it, it's all about the future. You're selling me a dream and I like it. But the stock price doesn't make any sense unless you're buying for the very long term. And so you Correct. can, as yeah. you say, Which you can I'm understand. not sure how many retail investors are. Yeah. So. I'm, not, I'm not sure they're not, though, because this is a new phenomenon. Like a, having a bunch of people on Robinhood, full disclosure, I'm an investor. That's a strange flex, but okay. Um, <laughs> okay, boomer. Um, Yes, full I disclosure, I came okay, here. Boomer. Full disclosure, I traded some shares on Robinhood on my way here in Uber. <laughs> okay, and I'm meditating with calm after this. Um, but but I think they of the hundred billion, what is future Elon Musk value versus the value of the business now? Seventy thirty. It's got to be a thirty billion dollar. Yeah, I would business. say it's like ninety ten. It's what three hundred million dollars in operating income. Something yeah. like that, isn't that right? Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, I mean, and they're it, not and, trying. And to Toyota's make a profit got right what? Now. You know, twenty billion in yeah. operating income. Yeah, I mean, they've got the German, German and Chinese factories still, still to come online. Unfortunately, the Chinese factories are going to be delayed because of this virus outbreak. Well, they but, started delivering some cars from it, and hmm. from what I understand, like they got that done faster than anybody could have imagined. Like building in China is amazing. Yeah, 
Um, you can and put up a hospital in 15 days, apparently. What's that? You can put up a hospital in 15 days, apparently, as they're doing yeah, in Wuhan province. Yeah, that's our province. next story, too. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But, I, yeah, I mean, Germany's going to take a, a while longer. The Gigafactory out in Nevada seems to be doing good stuff, and that's going that's the really interesting part of this, to, uh, to my mind. The batteries. And, and I yeah, do think batteries. Elon leverages social media brilliantly. Yes. People love it. They just eat it up. They do. I mean, except when he swings Commits the sword and hits fraud. himself in the leg, <laughs> which, you know, those kind of moments are ones he's i think but learned you know to he, not do he, he doesn't cut deep enough that that is really a deterrent i mean the sec stuff was i think pretty, pretty bad cute. Yeah. yeah i mean that was very serious but what was it a 20 million dollar fine million. or something yeah. like that i mean that's yeah it's just not where it's you, a lot to spend for a, a dumb tweet yeah and also like probably not a group of people you want to get into it with True, but yeah. a twenty million dollar fine, and then how much value are NPR? you accreting later? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I might pay that twenty million dollars. It's like an investment. In a way, it's true. Like the amount of press he's gotten, and the amount of attention, and the amount of he wealth gets. he's created for people is extraordinary. So he's saying, yeah. "Look, I'm going to make twenty million dollar mistakes here and there, yeah. but I'm going to make you rich." So there we go. That's the trade we're making. Yeah, and I, I think it's these Robin Hood investors. They might hold it forever. Like young people buying, you know, two shares of it, three shares of it, and then holding and then maybe buying another share every year and they want to own 20 of it, they might actually be getting it long-term correct. That's actually a good mm. point. That actually makes sense. If they're holding it for the long-term, it does make some sense. But based on what it's doing right now, it's very divorced from just the math. Yeah. The question is, when he puts up five of these factories and they're producing 500,000 cars each and he starts producing 2 million of them. And so all the arguments of why he wouldn't get there have now been proven wrong. I agree the stock is just it, uh, some percentage of this is the short squeeze. Maybe half, yeah. maybe a third is the short yeah, squeeze. Having to buy to make sure a third is reality yeah. and a third is the, you know, Elon as um Thomas Edison, you know, um theory like there's going to be more incredible things that blow your mind coming out of this company. Um but yeah, the shorts are I mean, they're desperate now. I can't, oh, who well, doesn't I mean, cover at this point? Well, I mean, did you see the the complaint that was filed a couple of months ago to the National Transport uh, Safety Bureau? And it was from a short seller. And he said, I don't own a Tesla myself, but this accident and this accident and this accident is something you should be looking into. Please, it was God, so investigate desperate. Them. You know, I mean, it's desperate. painfully bad. Yeah, I mean, they're going after like the Tesla fires and it's like they're such a low percentage and, and like, Compared to gasoline. I was going to say, gas, gas and diesel cars don't catch on fire. And you know, I think it's a factor of 10x that they catch on fire. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're going – people who own the stock think they're part of something bigger hmm. and really special. It's hard to then be very pedestrian about it and say, be very concerned about these random fires over here. People say, you know what? It's for the greater good. Yeah. And I think that these cars are going to get cheaper and cheaper to produce. Uh, and that's going to be part of the magic is that – I don't think people understand how quickly in a decade he went from hundred fifty thousand dollar cars to forty five thousand. Yeah, you know, took two thirds of the price off. I, I think there's actually another fifty percent coming off. And I think he'll have a fifteen to twenty five thousand dollar car. And more importantly, he's made electric cars cool. You know, I mean, he kicks cool. kickstarted the entire yeah. the entire. Yes, we had electric cars before, but they were boring and they didn't go very far between recharges. He actually put a coherent platform forward. And kickstarted the electric car industry just as he's revolutionized. I do think the they need industry. to get an IQ test for when you buy one and just have a certain minimum IQ. I don't know if you guys saw the white Tesla getting airborne on Twitter. Nick's going to no. find it in about 90 seconds. Uh, I missed But this. this idiot, and he might be a YouTuber, I, I need to know who this person is, and I'm not going to like report them to the NTSB, but 
Somebody needs to find out who this person is so they can lose their license. It's a white Tesla getting air. This is it. Watch oh. this. This is going to blow your mind. White Tesla. And the sound on this, when it makes a crunch, this is, and there's like two different views of it. So they obviously set this up and this has got to be LA yeah, or somewhere like in California. It, it looks like LA. It looks like LA to me. And when you see this thing, I mean, you just type Tesla airborne and, and not the security footage one, but this white one, when it goes airborne. Um, well, you're yeah. saying IQ test the owners. You really think these are the owners of the car doing this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. The, that, I was the, actually <laughs> thinking that as well. Like the poor person who rented no, this. No, it's a parking valet. Yeah. Oh, the poor. I mean, Yikes. this thing gets so oh, airborne. The front suspension on that's going to need a tweak. It, it makes a crunching sound, and you know it, this thing's got batteries in the floorboard, so you want to be really careful with this idea. But um, it, these things are way powerful when you put them on mm. ludicrous mode. Oh, um, the torque on them is amazing. Yeah, but at least now they have. Um, you can cap the speed. So I've capped the speed on all of our mm-hmm. Teslas because I got pulled over twice on the 280, <laughs> going slightly faster than you're supposed to. I apologize to CHP. It's not going to happen again. Slightly? We're talking, what, 50, 60 miles over? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Uh, this way, I still have my license. but The acceleration uh, is terrifying on those. The problem, yeah. I think, with like the Mercedes and the and the Tesla like sort of breed of cars is, uh, weird flex, but okay, uh, is... When you're going fast in them, you don't feel it. Yeah. You know, like I feel Does that it. Does get you out of tickets? No. But Apologizing incessantly gets me out of tickets. I just start apologizing. I am so sorry, officer. I wasn't looking at the speed. Uh, when I looked down, I, I was over the speed limit and I apologize. Uh, you know, I'm just heading home to put the kids to bed. I'm heading to a charity event. <laughs> no. No, but then they- <laughs> For the disadvantage. Almost every time they put it down 10 miles or whatever, they kind of give you a little break for being courteous. Yeah. Um, so they did, I think they did that both times. I got like five or 10 miles off. Whereas if when they come up and you go, am I being detained? It's like, oh, you're in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. When we get back from this quick break, we're going to talk about the coronavirus. I've uh, apparently- uh, I have a 50-50 chance of having right at this very moment. Sorry to my co-guests uh, today. Apple, right. and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Barstool Sports, uh, raising money through gambling online, which I know both of you have some thoughts on when we get back on This Week in Startups. Shipping can be complex. We all know that. And with the uncertainty over costs and deciding which carrier to use, plus going and tracking your packages, things can get confusing quick. Well, with SendPro Online, it's easy to save time and money no matter where you send from, from letters to packages to overnights and flats. Easily compare USPS, UPS, and FedEx in an all-in-one online tool. Print shipping labels and stamps from your own printer and track all of your shipments and get email notifications when they've arrived. Plus, plus when the USPS postal rates increased on January 27th, you'll still be able to access savings of up to 40% off USPS priority mail shipping and five cents off every letter you send just by using SendPro Online. So here is your call to action. SendPro Online is only $14.99 a month and listeners can get a free 30-day trial when you visit pb.com slash twist pb.com slash twist you'll also receive a free 10 pound scale to help you weigh your packages and accurately calculate the cost of shipping so you'll never overpay i do that all the time putting too many stamps on things because i don't have that scale uh, until i went to pb.com slash twist that's pb.com slash twist 
experience the convenience of SendPro Online for yourself when you sign up for that free 30-day trial. We have it here. We use it. We love it. It works. I send people copies of my book all the time. We save a ton of money, uh, which is important. If you're on a budget, you want to make sure you're frugal, go ahead and go to pb.com slash twist. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to This Week in Startups. Um, next up, we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, coronavirus Seems like a couple hundred people are now dead in China, um, close to 10,000 infections worldwide at the taping, a um, couple of them in, here in America. I think we had our first transfer uh, in America of the virus, and the stock market is in a panic now that this Correct. is going to cause tens to hundreds of billions of dollars in damage, which makes sense because uh, my mailbox today was three different conferences, one of them in Hong Kong postponed, one conference in... Um, uh, Park City I'm going to next week, they asked anybody who had been to China in the last three months to not come to the event and take a rain check. Uh, and then another one was Death like... Con- China's been, well, not cancelled, but they're saying delayed, but it's been pulled, postponed, yeah. pulled off, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, oh, I my mean, God, this poor guy. Yeah, I know, just, just the look on his face is just Lord. like, why didn't I call in sick before going into work today? All right, so this, I think, is, a, is the, the point of discussion. Are people being too conservative with letting people back into countries and was the reaction too slow here i think honestly based on current data and bear in mind all the data we're getting is from the chinese government who has a yeah who has a vested interest in playing this down on current stats we lose more people to flu every year by a factor of like a hundred than what we're seeing at the moment um but this is chinese government figures and i don't trust them further than i can throw them um and yeah. yeah so i think countries were a little slow in locking down but they it look it's looking now as though china's getting very locked down in terms of flights going in and out russia's closed its bo- its its border with its, with china as well one of the it's, great things is when these things happen people opt out of flying which then gives the airlines a really easy way to say we're canceling these flights because just 20 people on them they can't mm. function mm. what's your take on it do we react too slow Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, a week, what, a week ago, I was saying, I can't even believe we have employees just making it personal to the you know, employers here in the Valley. Mm-hmm. We have employees who are flying back. What are we going to do? Are yeah. we going to let them in the office or not? No. Right? Everybody's lying. There's absolutely no truth coming out of China. Shocking. Yeah. Right? And so we don't even know if people are contagious when they're asymptomatic. That'll be terrifying. Right? And then you've got the people going, no, 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 this is just a common flu. Yeah. Well, first of all, you don't know how many people actually have died. That's the rub. The number of people who are are dying in terms of, you know, um, the, the rapidity of the death rate is terrifying. Yeah. Right? I'm sure the proportion of death to those who are infected is higher than SARS, flu, et cetera. So I actually think it actually is terrifying, and it's going to have a very, very significant impact on commerce. So we're even feeling the impact in our games. All, we really? leverage a lot of art studios in China. Um, oh, everything is shut. Everything's shut. Got it. So we're having wow. to frantically find, you know, new sources of labor. Um, and so if we can't put new art in our games, you know, they're, they're games as a service. So sorry, players, you're going to see some old art. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to have as many swords. <laughs> yeah, that's Semi- exactly right. Yeah. Swords are important. Yeah, yeah. Yes. less swords and shields and that's right. I mean, the orbs semi- of P-shields. invisibility or P-shields. something. Yeah, I, mean, the I, I don't know how these nerds are going to get through <laughs> this. This is the real tragedy of it all. Tragedy. <laughs> you really thought oh, it was about humanity. something else? <laughs> the good news is they're going to be able gamers. to play 
in their mom's basements for a lot longer this because their school's closed. It's always the good thing about natural disasters is, is mobile gaming, gaming revenue goes through the roof. It does. <laughs> it does. Ah. We like hurricanes. We Everything like all like kinds that. of yeah. natural big, disasters. Big hurricane Absolutely. coming in. Everybody hey, bunkers I down. I am here for you. Ooh, I'm tempted to There's a natural disaster. <laughs> I'm here for you. Um, wow. <laughs> well, it is crazy. Uh, it's also apparent. Uh, I mean, I've seen a couple of reports that this is – this is kind of showing some of the weaknesses in the Chinese social control uh, model because apparently eight people were prosecuted in January for spreading false information about a new virus outbreak and they were all doctors and oh. they were re-educated as it were. Okay. So it's possible that they were aware of this and then just keep a lid on bad news and now we've got the outbreak. Yeah, yeah it, we have. I have somebody who was saying, you know, she's from China, oh, I called my parents and they said, no, no, everything is fine in my, in my town. Really? You believe that? Yeah. It's a little terrifying what people will believe. Also, we're taking – where is the mandatory quarantine? Like if I was coming yeah, back where is it? from China uh, – I, I know they check doctors, check them twice But in they're just China, checking for fever. Australia, yeah. They're, they're just saying if it's symptomatic, then we'll check you. It's two weeks. It's two in weeks? A, yeah, in Australia it's two weeks. They're flying them to Christmas Island uh, and, leave, and keeping them there for two weeks to keep an eye on them. In the U.S., I think I heard that one of the flights got taken to an air, bay, air force base. Uh, one flight went to Alaska. They deplaned everyone and checked them out. But you don't know what the latency is on this. I know that one saying. of the planes came into SFO here in San Francisco. and They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. It was not yeah. quarantined. There was nothing. They just walked straight through the airport. I would, if, if it was me, I would welcome being in quarantine for two weeks for the better good of society. When you Quality. go to Japan, people mm. who are sick, people... Anybody, anytime you go your first time to Japan, have you ever been? Yes. And no. no. So when you first see people wearing masks in the street, you're like, what is that about? Is it smog? And it's like, no, they're sick. And they don't want to get their fellow citizens. Oh, that's what it is. It's right? They don't. It's courtesy. And the common courtesy is if you were ex- potentially exposed, like just chill on Christmas Island. Sounds delightful. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you I know? got swine flu and isolated myself and it was just- What? Yeah. This was just after I came to San Francisco. Wow. Um, and my girlfriend, now wife, God bless her, would- Go out, go out to get ingredients for chicken soup, leave them on the door, ring the doorbell, and then run. And then step run. Back. Well, <laughs> step back 20 paces, and then we'd have yeah. a chat. And, yeah. um, so, yeah. Oh, I yeah. know. She still does <laughs> it, actually. It's, it's, <laughs> that's like every becomes, Friday night. That's become their tradition it's for the weekend. Night. It's date night. <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito. I'm out. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. Honey, I'm just reminiscing about the past. <laughs> yeah, it was just such a... <laughs> You remember that time I didn't see you for a month while it you had? Awesome. Let's recreate that. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. Um, and also, there seems to be. I, I heard one report that there are these wet markets. They call them, which are exotic animals yeah. and a lot of like raw meat. And is it true that this was potentially from a, bat soup? Yeah, a I've bat? heard about the bat soup thing. It's this is it. where the xenophobia stuff is coming up. Yeah, that if you criticize bat soup, you're xenophobic. No, no, no. We've that, lost our minds. If, we, if you literally, that's just that's like the one. That's so of jumping liberal, the shark. Hysterical liberal people. I had a hysterical liberal person arguing with me. Oh god. About how China has done so much more than America in reducing poverty, and I said, "What? What? What?" what? And he's Have like, "Have they been to China?" Well, and it is true that a large, on a gross number basis, a large number of hundreds of millions of people have gone from poverty to the middle class. As they have built iPhones mm-hmm. and Amazon products from Americans, for Americans who are responsible for the standard of living increasing in China because we are their big customer. 
Well, kind of. I mean, also you've got to you've got to factor in that the government has the Chinese government has been spending enormously on infrastructure, you know, on schooling right. and education in particular, and re-education camps. Uh, there is the, that, <laughs> yeah, um, and I mean, disappearing people, you know, who oh yeah, doctors no, who, Trust me, I mean, I I have no 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 qualms about criticizing the Chinese government, although you know, I welcome our new our masters for the next century. But no, I mean, the Chinese government's done a certain done done a certain amount uh, to lift people out of poverty. American markets have done even more um but i think coming back to the food thing if you've been to a food market in china it's an eye-opener you know i mean it's kind of how i imagine food markets in the u.s a hundred years ago you know things are sold yeah. live because that's the way to guarantee they're fresh meat is left open you know refrigeration is yeah. just an afterthought it's um well, and I mean, it's not xenophobic to say you should have health standards and health inspectors that's logic like hmm. humanity has learned this already like but that's it. the beauty of radicalism is you can just call you a xenophobe yeah. and there you go. It you just squirt. makes it just makes it true. Yeah, score points. You're, you're a tribe. bigot. You're a bigot. Like <laughs> You don't want to I like exotic foods, don't get me wrong. But the point is to just say we think the origin of it was bat soup and then to be called a bigot is absurd. And yeah. so but that's already popping up in the last two days is that we can't actually talk about the origin of it because now you're getting dangerously close to being racist. Oh for goodness that's sake, this is how humanity fails. It's um you know, I mean when the last time it was birds, right? It was the bird flu. Bird flu, yeah. I yeah. mean, but, but you see, we've always had this ever since we domesticated animals. You know, we got pneumonia from cows. Uh, we got flu from, from, from chickens. We get an awful lot from pigs. Yeah. Um, you know, transgenic stuff has always happened, and you've just got to roll with it and learn how to deal with it. Yeah. I think shutting the borders quicker, like we need to have yeah. strong leadership across the world to just say when this stuff happens, we just have to take a much harder line. You know, you know who does this really well? Japan. Japan is like the last time SARS happened, they were just like, yeah, we're done. Sorry, nobody's coming mm. in. Nobody's coming in. And if you are a Japanese citizen, you can come in, but we're going to quarantine you and we're going to take this seriously because- We want to protect our people. Yeah, and we got a lot of, yeah, it's, it's the common good. And there's so many people in such a dense area. So with cities and airplanes, so you have these like 30 million, 20, 30, 40 million person cities in China- and then you have airplanes coming in and out of them. I don't know the last time you've been to China or no. uh, the, I mean, the the airports there oh. are getting humongous. Yeah. Like it's like five SFOs, ten JFKs in one. So the amount of planes coming in and out of China now is just well, particularly over Chinese New Year, which is when this sort of really kicks oh, off. that was the other which is in yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Mm. Well, well when protecting your own people protects the world, it makes sense from every angle. But I'm not sure we're being logical at this point. But it at least contains the spread of the virus. The reason it's becoming so terrifying is how many countries it's spreading in, and then the virus is going to continue to mutate in very different ways across each of those continents, and then it just becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah. Yeah, the Australians have had some luck. They've actually managed to recreate it in the lab for the first time. Oh, really? So I there's, didn't know that. there's, yeah, they they announced it yesterday. So I mean, there are possibilities that that this could be moving faster, but we're not going to know because the Chinese authorities aren't going to give us. And the then we're going to have a vaccine to the, an old version of the virus. By the time we have a vaccine, it'll be useless. Uh, a lot of my friends, uh, uh, one of my poker groups has like a thread, and they all bought ma uh, masks because they all travel internationally. And one of them was able to get a hundred of these. What do they call them? N95? Oh, N95s. N N Somebody N95, I know bought 99. like a, a gross yeah. of them and is like giving them to all their friends as a gift. Yeah. I'm well, since all things relate to video games, Plague. <laughs> yes. The Plague game. Actually, oh, yeah, I love is, that game. That was it's like a good the first game, big and it's actually game. had a huge burst in downloads. Yeah. As people try and track It actually crashed diseases. at one point, didn't it? Because so many yes. people were doing it. Yes. Yeah. I kind of like 
played that game like 10 years ago when the mm. iPad came out. And I was so like, Madagascar, wow, iPad games are cool. you just and can't like, get Madagascar. It's still on my... You can't get Madagascar. <laughs> it's still on my iPad, and every now and then I open it up, and I'm like, um, I still don't understand how to win this game or how it works, but... Um, don't use our game for Cora. No- <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it's that's, a game, the, people. That's the headline is pretty funny. It is <laughs> well, a video game, and indeed we shouldn't use it for modeling. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, that's not for science. Listen to the scientists, maybe. Well, the other thing that's happening is I think- But the scientists are going a little off in very different directions, too. Are they? Yes. Oh, how so? Well, you've got a lot- Several scientists are saying, look, the infection rate is much higher than China's saying. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. The death rate is terrifying. And I'm a scientist and I'm scared, which makes everyone else extremely scared. Yeah. And then you've got a whole other side of people saying, can everyone calm down? Mm -hmm. This is the flu. Why are you being so hysterical? So which is it? Yeah, I'm going to err on caution. Me too. Yeah. Because this is one of those things where we're tempting fate. I mean, it's it's pretty clear that one of these is going to be able to wipe out millions of people yeah. if we don't That's get right. better at this. What's the downside to being a smidge paranoid and taking a breath and saying, let's see well, what think, it is? I think also Revenue there's there's a, there's a, a very different, a different attitude. Crisis. I was listening to the World Service uh, last night. There's a very different attitude between doctors in first world countries who are like, it's just flu. You go to hospital, they'll give you, you know, they'll, they'll look after you and chances are you get through it. But they interviewed an Indian doctor and said, look, if this gets into some of the into mumbai where we've got very overstretched yeah. health services the transmission if Population it's person to person transmission you've got a massive problem on your hands you also in the the infrastructure in those places is mm. much different yeah. you could have infrastructure issues with sewage with the number of hospitals with hospitals and how clean they are oh i'm sorry is that racist did i just say <laughs> did i just <laughs> say that like there's Big different it. different levels of cleanliness in different hospitals in different locations in the world oh I no i can't believe <laughs> said it oh god uh, I'm, um, yeah, please don't cancel me for saying <laughs> that different people get different scores on their health ratings, like A, B, and C in restaurants. The other thing is the, the Chinese government, I understand, is they're not able to – they're usually able to stomp down any dissent on WhatsApp right. and other messaging apps. I heard that this time they can't. It's just too many people Who are going terrified. crazy. Yeah. And, yeah, and it seems like I, I am perceiving the Chinese government as being very weak right now. After Hong Kong, Taiwan, and now this – feels like the citizens are feeling a little more emboldened. And when you see a million people come out for different protests, protests. in Hong Kong yeah. or Taiwan, and then this, people are speaking up and saying, you're not doing enough. The citizenry is now demanding more well, I mean, of the Chinese government. That's think, actually a very positive sign. I think they overplayed their hand. I mean, you saw last year they, with, the with yeah, the, the oh. Chinese government. I mean, last year Winnie the Pooh, or uh, sorry, um, declared himself, you know, going to be, he would be leader for from now on in. Um, and um, the Chinese the Chinese Communist Party has been tra- cracking down on dissent hard, and there's a backlash, and there's going to continue to be backlashes. And you're right, this makes the Chinese government their sole argument. For the populace is we have the best system because we look after you. And when that breaks down, it all breaks down. All right. When we get back from this br- uh, quick break, we're going to talk about gambling uh, and Apple just printing money by squeezing their customers with absurdly expensive products and just building a stockpile of cash. When we get back on Sweet Service. Hey, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. It's that simple. When I am working with founders on their companies, I ask them a lot of questions. I want to know the numbers. And when a founder knows their numbers cold and we can do math and go back and forth on how the business is doing, I feel confident enough to put 
more money into that business. When the founder doesn't have the insights and the ground truth in their business, I'm likely not to uh, keep investing in that company until they fix that problem. A growing business can have a hodgepodge of business systems. You know this. A lot of duct tape things put together. For example, one system for accounting, one for sales, and another for inventory. It's a big, inefficient mess. Well, this all keeps you from knowing your numbers, and that hurts the bottom line, and you can solve all this. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to grow. You'll save time, money, and unnecessary headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, and HR instantly from your desktop or even your phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide called The 7 Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com slash twist. That's netsuite.com slash twist to download your free guide, 7 Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, netsuite.com slash twist. All right, welcome back to This Week in Star is our news roundtable. Kristen Dumont is back on the pod after... A really great interview in episode 975. If you haven't watched it, go ahead and watch it. She's from Machine Zone. They make games. Uh, and if you're a developer, they've got openings. They're always hiring. It's going Absolutely. well. It's going very well. We have a new game coming out. Oh, really? Yes. When does it drop? I'm nervous to say, but I'm pretty locked in now. February 18th. Oh, boy. Yes. Does that mean the whole company goes on lockdown? Like everybody's there I every Saturday, slept. Sunday? Yes. Really? <laughs> yeah, you're getting me on no sleep. Oh, wow. Yes. yes, yeah. That's what people don't understand about like games, movies, yeah. and it's a, magazines, they're, newspapers. They're extremely intense businesses. It's well, extremely intense. Even operating systems and apps. I mean, it's just like when when there's a new version of Windows coming out, then everyone's in there 24-7 just to, uh, just, yeah. uh, just to update it back in the day when they did release new versions. I, I miss the finality of producing a magazine. Mm-hmm. The, the Esprit yeah, the de Corps. Yeah, right. and, the, and the Esprit de Corps when we were – you know, everybody was there until, you know, 7, 8 a.m. And then somebody would take the zip drives to yeah. FedEx to send them to the – we had to send the magazine by FedEx. Or sometimes people would get on a plane and take it to the middle of America or Canada, wherever we were printing from at the time, and bring them the tapes. And we'd make two copies of it. Like it was like sending the football or something, you know. Yeah, we had our computer – the first print job, print journal job I had in early 90s, we had our computers stolen. Uh, office break-in and they took all the computers and we were just about to put an issue to bed and we oh. had three days to do the, no cloud the ent- then no no had to do the entire thing and it was the first hundred hour week i'd ever worked it was uh pretty brutal yeah uh, what's intense about mobile gaming is you're operating it every day so the day you launch it is just really day zero <laughs> right so now the new sort of fatigue sets in um, so basically you run a marathon and, and then when you, you get to the finish line a hundred more on the other side of where it says finish line it says starting That's line right. you <laughs> get like, one step. Oh, screw yeah. yeah it's very different than the days when you used to wait till they got on the shelves and they were so excited your game is done what's going to happen it i have a confession i've been playing starcraft 2 and it is Great amazing game. I, I love playing StarCraft. It it's is so game. much fun. It's like playing chess or something for me or poker. It's like so strategic. You I played get into it to the machine zone. Exactly. No, like 10 years ago, my team at Mahalo back in the day would play this at night and they'd be there till three in the morning playing the yeah. same game. I'm like, you guys are huge nerds. And then I went in there and I still had my list and I saw all my developers. Mm. 
and one of them had played and one hadn't played in two years and I was like oh I miss those guys yeah, it's it was fun kind day. of fun oh, yeah. was a great game have a nice in, visceral response to games it was, it was a nice. great game in, uh, called Elite in the mid 80s which you actually loaded up ah, with a cassette and a tone control and I've just found an open source version of it and that was last weekend gone it was just like yeah yeah I want to get my 10 year old daughter to get into video games hmm. I got her into archery and I skiing. need more girls to get into games yeah, yeah. actually Definitely. poker is the one I'm trying I was at, hmm. I was speaking at Stanford and I just asked who plays poker in the room and like Almost every guy had played poker, and like only two women had played poker, and, I, yeah. and it was fifty-fifty. Interesting. And I was like, "You really should get a group together to learn poker because it's like strategy and deception and aggression and math and all, all these the great things, things. That make humans great." Yes. Well, yeah, all the things. <laughs> I think what I what I said in the class again, getting myself canceled, uh, is all the things that when I was growing up, at least they steered women away from and girls away from in school: aggressive behavior, mm. deception. Uh, math, you know, and uh, strategy. They were just like not for not for girls, right? Like um, only for boys. Uh, Ian uh, Thompson is with us in his ninth. We got to do something for your tenth. Get a little cake or something <laughs> here, a cupcake uh, from the register. He is Ian Thompson, spelled incorrectly: I A I N T H O M S O N. My parents have had words. <laughs> he's with the register, and congratulations! Today is Brexit. Oh God! So now. You guys have just totally... We have a bunch of people standing on the white cliffs of Dover shouting at the French, leave the cheese and wine and bugger off. You know, it's just... But like it... on a realistic basis, when, when I mean, I went from Gar Nord mm-hmm. or um, Pancreas Station to Gar Nord, yep. uh, took the train through the tunnel from London to Paris, it's delightful, mm-hmm. and you don't have to do anything. You just take the train. Nope. No, you get your passport checked in at St. Pancras, yep. and then you get off at Gardenau, and you're right in the center of Paris. Now Much what's going to happen? Are they going to just like... Uh, there'll be... Well, I mean, we still have the passport check. I mean, we're still in the European Union, effectively, until uh, for the next 11 months. Um, but then... And we always still have passport checks, because we always had passport checks. It was a, a negotiated settlement that we did with the EU. But what it's going to mean in 11 months is that if you're British, you don't know, no longer have the right to work and live in Europe, oh. um, which is going to harm an awful lot of people. A lot of my friends who do a lot of business in Europe are now sorting out uh, citizenship in foreign countries. Um, having an Irish passport is like gold. You know, the number of Irish people applying for Irish passports, oh, which really? you can do if you've got, I think it's like a grandparent who was Irish. It actually crashed the Irish passport system for a while Wow! because so many people were trying to get on there. Um, it's a, personally, I think it's a disaster for the country and we'll go, we'll go back cap in hand in five or 10 years and ask to be let back in. But in the meantime, it's heartbreaking though for, you know, the empire that, you know, went around the world and tried to, you know, now consists of the Falkland Spread Islands. democracy <laughs> around the world, right? Like, I mean, uh, for white people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it was perfect, but <laughs> they, you know, they, it was a, to, to close the borders for a country that tried to, you know... And also, I mean, I'm sorry, Britain was made on immigration. You know, it's yeah. like the Huguenots came in and kick-started the, the, you know, the finance and jewellery business. The, you know, we've had waves of people coming in and improving the... I mean, improving the country. I mean, until we had the mass Indian migrations, curry was a rarity. And it's yeah. just like, what are you going to do on a Friday night after you got lashed up at the pub? Go to the scone house? Can, can anybody can try to latched up at the pub? Is that, oh, get, is that, getting, when, you get, get, is that when you locked your horse getting, up? Getting, getting lashed, getting... Uh, okay, getting... getting, getting a wee bit merry, let's right. put it well, Drunk. So our director, Sir Charles, so is also crying that. right That's now. That's a good word. All right, guys, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I think uh, more people care about Megxit than they care about Brexit. Oh, 
All right. Barstool Sports um, is now valued at $450 million. Pan National Gaming bought 36% of it. Uh, Barstool did somewhere between 90 and 100 million in revenue last year with podcast merch and gambling. And the explicit play, according to the video I watched on the Twitter, was uh, wagering and gaming is now going to be legal in the United States. There was some referendum passed by the Supreme Court, I believe. It basically said it's a state's rights issue. State's rights right. issue. Yes. And so we have now invested in two wagering companies. Neither one is yeah. operating in the U.S. yet, but and we Draft did Games that. just went public. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, Via SPAC, but they're now public, basically on this news. Yeah. And so People here is the, I guess this is the founder, um, and he speaks Martin, about. Help us help you. I'm locked in. Dan's locked in. Eric is locked in. The key people aren't going anywhere. I'm telling you, just like I said, people rue the day when they passed on us, I don't know, 10 years ago. Anybody who doubts us will pay the price in spades. We are going to become the biggest gambling company in the country. Why? Penn National has the infrastructure, we have the audience, and we know this space, I'm telling you, better than ever. anybody. If you believe in me, believe in us, get on board the rocket ship, because the next stop is literally the moon. Music. So, Do Elon Musk song. Yeah. Please, that resonates with everyone. You're fine. But the crazy thing about this is he's talking about buying the stock, mm. which is generally something you don't do, is encourage people to buy your stock in this way that you're going to the moon. I don't know what this person was thinking, but... Yeah, he's got his own problems with, with union busting as well. He's just to pay a big fine on that. Oh, yeah. Did he say... Oh, unions. Oh, right. He was the guy who said... Yeah, he yes. was the guy. He tweeted, Talk I will never it. let a union in my place... Or something like oh, that. Oh, no, he also set up a fake, fire a, fake, a fake Barstool Union Twitter account. Yeah, I was going to say, I think there was a whole faux persona where he uh, was, it was really him saying what he thought, but he yeah, I mean, to say it himself. We were talking so about I didn't Elon. say it. Yeah, we were talking about Elon's $20 million tweet. I mean, this Elon doesn't to, like unions either. No, but I mean, this guy is going to pay out far more for this. So it's, uh, is he going to get in trouble for that? Is that, is that Oh, that yeah, but he's already, he's already in trouble for it. Huh. Um, they're, um, they're definitely not kidding. You, know, you can in do In trouble a, how? Uh, because it's illegal. No, no, I know that. Uh, oh, right. Right. Yeah. against them, or well, no, complaints out, complaints have been filed, and there's an investigation ongoing at the moment. Oh wow! Um, From yeah. interested people who are pro-union, so that'll be mm-hmm. fair. Oh wow! Yeah, he's going to face labor. Uh, wow, his threats are under investigation. Yeah, take the tweets down. That oh, was that was the penalty. Oh, that, that was the sole penalty. That's it. Oh, well, that's fine. He got off easy. Yeah, that's pretty light, actually. Um, because yeah. e- Elon had to read a statement. I've broken the law. Oh. Here are all the ways I've broken the law. <laughs> good fast, I mean, Did good he say fast. break the law? I don't think he said broke the law. Said, Supposedly, oh, the oh. ruling from the judge was mm. that he had to ah. issue a statement what, saying- Allocution or something? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Something that like he that. had broken the law and discouraged union organizing. The crazy part of this whole unions in the media companies is like, it's literally like the- kitchen crew and the you know the deckhands on the titanic forming a union it's like we want more money it's like the ship is sinking we need to get on those boats quickly like we're all going to die in freezing water i mean obviously don't tell me you like unions uh i'm a union man i really? I, i'm a member of the national union of journalists um what, what does, does the union do for you, do it's, for it's, you? It's, honestly it. <laughs> it's one of the most Besides- u- it's one of the most useless unions out there because it's so Everybody broad. Says that. But what you are seeing is with things like Ars Technica and other publications, their staff are unionizing. And a union is never 
really the best option. But if management is that bad, you have to unionize. That's a sign that something okay, weird is going on. But what do they on. get you? So you unionize and then what? Collective, collective bargaining is the key and, thing. And then what do you get out of it? Better you pay. Oh, is that better conditions? But how do you know that yeah. you wouldn't have gotten the better pay without the collective bargaining? Uh, because you can hold management over, basically hold management's feet to the fire. If one person goes on strike, it's, you know, it's Isn't no Isn't it better effect. to just create a sufficient market demand for talent so that then free market forces handle uh, it? It's and a say, cute theory in practice. It's, not, it it's actually work. not a cute theory. It absolutely works, which is, do you think tech workers are better off or worse off? They're way better off. Because there's such high demand for their skill set that I can't mess around. If I want to screw around and underpay somebody, I just lose them. So what's the point? Yeah. Like the best way to actually inflate wage is mm. to create demand for that talent. That what I think unions do oh. is it essentially protects people who are incompetent. Well, it's like it really says uh, the, the high performers lose their voice and the low performers get a disproportionate say at the table. That's outrageous. And it basically says we're all the same. If- Humans don't like homogeneity. I think that yeah. Ian, counterpoint: Are you part of the lower <laughs> third of the register uh, writers well, drafting been, off the first third? I've, and I've, their yeah. I've, survived, I've yeah. survived very various journalism calls. I'm I, I've sort of done this done this for twenty five years. The point about collective bargaining: Yes, individuals can negotiate ideals for themselves. But when you've got management that decides to lower wages across the board, yeah, some people are going to leave. Um, but particularly in the journal, why it's so popular in the journalism industry at the moment is the journal journalism is contracting so sharply. There aren't other jobs to go to within your field. But I don't think management sits around and says like, I know, let me screw them on wages. Everyone's running a business. Like the markets are speaking as to what the markets demand and the markets want profits. And so you need to figure out, you either got to scale revenue, mm-hmm. right? You got to scale down costs. Well, you got to do a little bit of in both. Journalism. In journalism, there are too many writers. It's not as well. It's not enough revenue. Basically, Google and Facebook right. have taken an awful lot of the ad revenue. The same jobs. Um, and margins are tight. Print companies who went into online. One of the reasons the Reg has always been profitable is because we weren't a print company in the foot. We didn't have the art editors. We didn't have the like the accountants and the human resource department. Everyone either wrote, sold, or edited, and that's it. And we had one accountant. What I don't understand about these unions and the negotiation is if somebody like, let's say, Jim Bankoff, who at Vox, I guess, managed this, I think, relatively well, mm-hmm. if he just said, okay, you guys want a union, that's fine. I'm going to pay everybody a 50K base, and then I'm going to base a bonus on uh, performance mm-hmm. that will be between $0 and $100,000, and uh, that'll be at the sole direction of your manager, who will then report to their manager, and I'll approve everything. So I would love to see a union that, that said that that was okay. That's exactly what they don't want. Is everyone gets sort of same. Yeah. I want the same. Oh, now, unions were super valuable. Unions used to be extraordinarily valuable. And the, the reason, the nice, reason yeah. we have these yeah. laws that people are getting in trouble for yeah. is largely because of unions. So I don't want to take away from the fact that there was an incredible yeah, was amount time of for it. social and legislative change that was led by the unions. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've never, I, I don't really know that there's a time and place for them now. And I really have never met a union member who has a compelling argument of here's how I benefited from being in the union that couldn't have been achieved a different way. Uh, personally, I benefit from the union because I get free legal cover from them. But um, no, the union oh, has some shared get, services. You'd get yeah, free legal sure. cover from your employer anyway. So in California, for example, yeah, but if you're you a get freelance free legal cover. If you're a freelance journalist, you don't have then that. Then you should be fighting for employment, right? It's- well, no, because some people prefer to work freelance. I mean, it gives you a certain amount of freedom to do things. And the unions have done good things. Weekends are pretty good. The five-day working week is, is, a, is, is down to union. 
down to unions, getting you know, decent working conditions for factory workers, all down to unions. Yeah. I agree with that. I think factory workers have benefited incredibly from safety rules that were yep. put in place by unions. You lose me, though, when you start saying, ah, oh, I get to work less because of my union. That, no, isn't that precisely no what's wrong? But no one's saying that. Well, what they're saying is we, we, we demand a fair wage for our work. So do tech workers. Tech workers demand a fair wage for their work. And sometimes you need to work six days and seven days. And it shouldn't be that somehow there's some protection, there's some protecto bubble of you can never require of me to work more than five days a week because the union has spoken. The business needs to succeed. It really sets up this verse. The one thing I thought was interesting, though, and and the one thing I thought was interesting in fairness to the unions was they did require, um, as part of the Vox settlement, because there was a pay in equality, I think they discovered mm. between people who had been there because they had acquired a bunch of businesses. So somebody at one unit with five years experience might be getting paid radically different. And then it might have actually split on gender in some cases. And they, they were able to fix those things. And then also, I think they had like a problem where most management was white males. And they said, hey, for any management positions going forward until there's more balance, we want to see at least two viable candidates – You don't have to pick somebody based on not being white, but there needs to be two candidates that make it to the final five that are not a white guy uh, or something to that effect. So it's not a quota system for who gets the job, but it is a quota system for at least finding some viable candidates. What do you think of that? Uh, I have so many thoughts. Yeah. Uh, First of all, that's discrimination, right? So it's in, it's saying I'm going to che- I'm going to take account of your gender, your race, or your ethnicity for some point of the hiring or promotion mm. process. Mm. Doesn't matter if you're white or African American or yeah. female. You know, it, it, that's discrimination to well, look at those things. Now, it can be aspirational, of course. I I, I want to make sure I have an extraordinarily diverse workplace. Right. Why? Because I want to have a competitive advantage right. and having diverse points of view, having a ton of diversity, I think makes a company stronger. Mandating it is discrimination. Then to your first point, there's already laws that prevent that. And there's a ton of plaintiff's lawyers running around willing to take that case. And you don't even have to hire a lawyer. All you have to say is, I'm an employee of Exco, and I'm noticing a disparity in pay. That's enough to get everyone's attention, legal right. team, management, and people really take it seriously and they look into it. People don't, they're not intentionally discriminating. Yeah. What they were doing, I think, also at Vox um, is, uh, oh, here we go, the Ringer Union, at Ringer Union. It's oh, been two weeks since beautiful. we formally asked Ringer management to address reports of a potential acquisition. They have not done so. Yeah, the union doesn't get to be part of that discussion. Sorry. And neither do any of the other people. It, yeah, it's no, co- nobody it's confidential and going out founder. on Twitter and complaining yeah. that you're not part of the M&A talks is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, different countries do it differently. I mean, in Germany, for example, then unions and management work very closely together on these sort of things. And, you know, German manufacturing seems to work pretty well. Norway's gone a bit further. They, I think, have a law mandating that you have to have a woman on the board, um, which seems to be taking a little far. California has that. Oh, really? California has that. Okay. And now Goldman Sachs is not underwriting IPOs that don't have some sort of gender representation. I don't know what the actual stat is. Yeah, I mean, if things are so bad for so long, putting in some backstop, I guess, is a reasonable accommodation is what people feel. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's... 
I, mean, I know it's a cliche, but the bro culture is 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 pretty yeah. grim at times in 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 Silicon Valley. And that in tech needs- journalism still or no? Not in tech journalism. No, because no. I mean, that seems like representation is really good in tech. Oh journalism. no, representation is is very good, and and actually, and that's down to as you as you pointed out, companies saying you know let's just look outside the box a bit and consider people who. 50 years ago wouldn't have been considered and the results have been fantastic yeah I don't think unions solve that problem I think is are just our fundamental disagreement yeah <laughs> but I like you anyway oh and love for likewise <laughs> um, yeah I, I'm I find the union thing really interesting that it is the the industry that's failing and everybody is scrambling to just try to save it it might I think actually the unions wind up saving money ultimately for Vox in these places because they can just say when somebody comes for a raise and they're an all-star and they're like, I've been here for 10 years and I'm an all-star. I need more money. And I bring a lot of traffic. They're like, okay, yeah. According to the union scale, uh, you're paid what you're supposed to be getting paid. And they say, well, well, but I have a bigger brand. I have more followers on Twitter. I get more retweets. I want more money. I don't think they're saying that you can't incentivize with bonuses. They're just saying for a flat rate, we, we, we want a living wage on a flat rate, and then you can put bonuses up there if you right. want. Right, and then if you do that for one person, then the union can come back and say, well, that person's getting more. Everybody else needs to get more. And so management can – I think what management winds up doing in these is they just they, – they can very easily build a business model around the union pay scale, right? Which and, suppresses wages. Which I think ultimately will suppress wages, yes. So I think overall wages will be more fair, and it will be a very clear system for the writers. They know what they have to do to get the next 7%, next 15% bump, whatever it is. They know uh, what to expect for each position, so there's clarity. But when you can negotiate for yourself, you might be able to negotiate for more than the average and Mm -hmm. make a compelling case, and that's over. I think they're just going to say, you know what? We have 500 journalists here. No one makes or breaks the athletic. No one journalist makes or breaks the ringer. No one podcaster there is going to change their fate. Right. It eviscerates differentiation, which I just don't think humans like. I have a, On the other hand, though, it does ensure that you actually get paid a living wage. and a, a, But you if know, you're succeeding, med- you're going to get paid a living wage anyway. Right? <sighs> really? If you're the top I mean, person who's succeeding more, you're going to get paid. I, I'm I not can... sure what we should define living wage, but I... Mm. I yeah, living wage is uh, that's a really complicated highly topic. dependent on yeah. what city you're in. But, yeah. I mean, I, I was talking to somebody. They told me they had hired somebody for $45,000 in San Francisco for like an entry-level operations position. And I was like, did they not punch you in the face when you told them the salary? Like, you hired for somebody for $45,000 in the Bay Area. They're like, yeah. I'm like, they go to work in the city every day. Like, yeah. I said, how is that possible? How like, is yeah, that possible? Yeah, I mean, every job under 70k 60 70k is out of san francisco it doesn't exist here anymore yeah you see i don't i can speak for my industry but <clears throat> wages are fairly low in the in the journalism industry uh, and have been sinking for a number of years simply because you know isn't it just because co- there's surplus supply no it's because there's a uh, lack of advertising revenue mainly i mean that's what's yeah, the really duopoly I mean, yeah, took all that, the yeah, that's, that's if, what's really if we want to blame the duopoly i'm in yeah, I mean, yeah no, the duopoly is just like, we'll take, I mean, I see it at inside.com. People will advertise at inside.com um, in our newsletters. And then, you know, they can only put a small amount of money to work. They get a niche audience, but then they have this retargeting ability and this data from Google and Facebook that's extraordinary that no small publisher can provide. So mm. I've been looking at inside and saying, you know, although we're doing low seven figures in ad revenue, I think it's more sustainable to be subscription-based now because you start every month with, last month's revenue minus churn, which so mm. you're either, or people might expand their spend. So you're either at 95 to 105% of last month. Whereas with advertising, you start over every month. That's right. 
people work up to a certain up to a certain extent. Um, it is still possible to to get an ad uh, an ad sponsored publication, which is profitable. We are certainly, but um, I think paywalls. If you're a brand name like the F, I mean the FT were the first publication to do this because they have a very loyal, well off subscriber base. The New York Times has made it work. The Guardian has gone the donations route. That seems to work for some people. Yeah, but they started with a subscription base, which is. Uh, Washington Post is making it work. New York Times makes it work. Yeah. Yeah. Wall Street Journal making it work. People were used to paying a subscription for their Mm -hmm. news service. So then if it's essentially just... Well, you you also only need to get somewhere between 1% and 5% of your audience to pay and you're good. It pays for everybody else. And it pays for everybody else. So you can still give something for free. you can see a variety of revenue models certainly in the industry. Okay. Next up, Uber and DoorDash had merger talks after a push from SoftBank to consolidate. Um, The last round for DoorDash was... 13 billion. But as Bill Gurley's research on Twitter, back of the envelope based on, you know, whisper is that DoorDash is out of money in 12 months at the current burn rate. Um, DoorDash holds 37% of the delivery market. Uber Eats has 21%. Uber has like five years of capital in the bank or six years, and they're quickly closing in on uh, break even from everything that people are saying publicly. Um, so. I don't understand why it makes sense for Uber to, if it was a $13 million, to give a th- 20% of their company right. to DoorDash. Why right. not just wait them out? Till they run they, out of cash. Hmm. Yeah, or maybe they stop discounting and burning so much cash. Mm-hmm. It used to be that people, my understanding was people were making 2 or $3 per food delivery. And then with this crazy competition, based on Masayoshi-san's money uh, given to DoorDash and to Uber which is crazy to have two competitors. You're basically giving a dump truck full of money to two. One's going to get shot. It makes no sense. Makes no sense. Because it's all about scale. you got to get scale scale for this. An awful lot of SongFang's decisions don't make sense, but this was egregiously stupid. Well, I think that they were trying to avoid what's going to happen, which is one's going to have to die. So can't I just make them a a, a better combined investment? But Uber's in a tough spot because they have to get to profitability by, I think he said he was going to do it by next year. So can't gobble up a bunch of unprofitable businesses and think you're going to no, get there. No, there's no way to buy yep. DoorDash unless you were like, we're going to cut half the staff and raise prices. Yep. It was like a parent who has warring <laughs> family members and you put them in a room, yeah. please, can you well, guys get Well, it's also a yeah. bit of a, it's a, I'll be honest, it's a bit of a shell game um, that I've seen where people don't want to admit failure with a business. Mm-hmm. So they sell it to another person. They get equity in that company. Yeah. And they'll do this just to have like a safe landing and then maybe some potential upside. But it it never actually comes to fruition or rarely does. But it lets you mark on your books, not yeah. a shutdown, but an acquisition. That's right. Mm-hmm. You still have some equity in it. Yeah. And generally a nice price, right? Everybody gets to market in their books at, a, 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 you know, some sort of profit and everybody looks good. Yeah. I mean, you, you're... Um, Certainly the word we're hearing is that VC funds have tightened up considerably in the last year. So DoorDash are going to have more problems getting more funding in. Um, it's over. Yeah, there's no more funding. There's there's nobody yeah. after Masayoshi-san except the public markets, and they have spoken. Mm. Yeah. So the party is over for an awful lot of companies. It's just a question of how soon they stop yeah. twitching. Is the party I, I, over? It is. <sighs> it's it's. But haven't sure we over. said that before? No, I can, t- I can tell. I can tell you. After like Pets.com, we're like it's done. We now we want profits only. <laughs> well, this party's over, hmm. and that doesn't mean in you know next summer we're not going to have okay, another kick-ass yeah. right, party. Fair. 
but the cops showed up. They put the lights <laughs> yeah. on. Okay, they fair. told everybody to get yeah. out. But well, aren't we all going to the neighbor's house and having the next party? It's, no. It, it, okay. it's, I mean, Sun's it's, up. It's, Sun's it's, up on this one. It's, this it's rager's cyclical. over. It's cyclical. Everybody's going to Denny's. Something like sunlight to kill everything. Everybody's going to get a Rudy Tootie fresh and fruity. Everybody's going to Denny's. A couple of months after I came here in 2008, the market just dropped. It died. Um, and I forget which VC firm it was, but basically they set up a gravestone at the that end of That was Sequoia, a, rest That was piece. Sequoia, yeah, right, yeah. just like, get, yeah, and then get you to had, break even. Then you had two or three hard years, and then the party started again. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. these things come and go. Yeah, as I, I, and growth I, at any cost doesn't work anymore. No. It is, as I tweeted, like, racing towards, I don't know if we have my tweet, but racing towards the cliff, hoping a bridge will mm-hmm. suddenly be built yeah. mm-hmm. by the time you get to it at 100 miles per hour. Like, that's worked. Like, people are just like, let's go faster, and then somebody will build a bridge across, you know, that great ravine, and we'll just keep going. And now it's like, yeah, there's nobody to build that bridge for you anymore. There's nobody who's going to give you another billion dollars and bail you out. And my fear with DoorDash is that round they did was internal. Um, It wasn't outside investors. So Mm -hmm. once the internal investors have to pick up the tab, that's another sign of weakness, that they couldn't get somebody externally to give them more money. And that means they're probably pumping the brakes. And they're going to Nick. You have my tweet. You uh, pull it up. In funding terms, that's like saying, "Well, my car can go to 120 miles an hour if I drive it off a cliff." You know, it's just yeah. it, it makes no sense. Well, I do think it's an interesting story about SoftBank because what SoftBank was offering everybody with that huge fund was yeah, you actually don't need to go public, right? Mm. Yeah. You come to us. We're yeah. going to be the the next, you know, the sort of the only show in town where everybody ultimately has to go to SoftBank mm-hmm. as its final stop r- rather than the capital markets. Yeah, I, I called it the Masa PO. It was like, yeah. you know, and I benefited from it. I sold them some of my shares in yeah. Uber. It was like a smart move to do, I think. Uh, yeah, here's what I put. DoorDash and Postmates will likely pump the brakes next as accelerating towards a cliff hoping a new bridge will appear is now a bad idea. It used to mm. work fine. Look, a new bridge. Hit the gas. It's now the age of accountability. Thank God. Yeah, uh, and this because the- Lyft is cutting jobs this week because I think they are yeah. very quickly running out of cash. Yeah. And they're – I mean the, the, the one speculation I haven't seen is putting Lyft and DoorDash together. Mm. If you put Lyft and DoorDash together um, – Certainly, they would have to cut all the employees um, or like a large number of them and stop the discounting. But maybe that's a good idea. I just don't want to see Uber, which I still am a major sh- – I'm not a major shareholder, but I have a major amount of mm-hmm. shares. I don't want to see them acquire DoorDash unless it was for 2 or $3 billion, well, not for $13 billion. And perhaps I misunderstand the businesses, but what's the moat – to these, what? How comes anybody can't just come yeah. in and say, "Wait a minute, mm. I've uh, me and my buddies, we're all going to drive yeah. around. We'll go pick it's up the, the food and we'll deliver it." When you have like, but is there of, that much stickiness from the consumer base? Yeah, it's all, really I, hard to download an app and and put your credit card in. But That's I use them free. all. I use DoorDash. I use Uber yeah. Eats. Mm. I use Postmates. Sort so of. So the question is, if the fifth one wants to go to those restaurants and be the fifth tablet in and be the fifth app on your phone, it gets harder and harder. I get it. Mm. At some point, you have consumer fatigue. But where I was sort of headed was, if fundamentally it's a good business, if you're running out of cash, it's oftentimes, as I'm sure you know, that last money in can be probably the best money, right? Because you have the most leverage. What's tough about these businesses is, huh, is it fundamentally a good business? It is if you don't have four competitors discounting. Yeah. Against each a other, a race to a bottom. Yeah, because yeah, Grubhub That's went right. public, and other people went public, and they were making three dollars a delivery. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you know, and 
doesn't seem like a lot until you do I think Uber did like 1.5 billion or 1.7 billion rides which mm. includes eats, yep. cars, bikes, everything. That's right. And none of these are employees, correct? Aren't they all contractors? I think they are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think actually So then the, your profit margins get worse if you're in any way going to have to convert those people to employees. I think actually converting to employees would be the ultimate uh win for Uber because then if you're a full-time employee, you can't work for another company. So they could say, yeah, you either work for Uber. They have done the math on that. And they just have to raise prices slightly. Mm -hmm. And then they would. Consumers would tolerate it. Consumers will tolerate it. And then they could tell people what shifts to work. So then it's like, you're a full time employee. You've got to work Thanksgiving. You've got to work Christmas. You've got to work Friday and Saturday night when we're peak. Right right. now, the drivers. They might want to. Yeah. They might not want to if it's at minimum wage. Like right now, if you work Christmas Eve or you work Thanksgiving or you work. Any of those days, New Year's Eve, you get paid three or four times per ride mm. for you know giving up your holiday or giving up your Friday and Saturday night. There are some people who drive into San Francisco just to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then and they sleep in their cars. From yeah, but if they became the employees, they, would get, they yeah. would get holiday pay. No, because you'd be able to dictate that uh, in order to be full time, you have to work. It's just like Amazon can say we're. Our busy season is a holiday. In order to work your full time, you got to work you get, those days. If you get time off in lieu, that would certainly be legal. But um, I, th- I think consumers are, are getting slightly wiser about this. I was over in New York a couple of months ago and was talking to someone because we were just, I was going to order a, order a lift and, and go to the end. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't order a lift at night. You order a lift during the day when you can't get a taxi. You order a taxi at night because they don't surge price. So right. people are getting, so uh, getting, it. yeah, yeah. They're, they're getting, they're, they yeah. know what's going on and people are getting smarter about this. Like, the other rumor is Lyft and Uber are going to either raise the prices on Uber Pool and Lyft Line or deprecate those services. Hmm. Yeah, they're so, going well, to have to raise prices. Well, they have to do one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. How long can you run right. yeah. losses? And if, they, if those systems don't work, uh, yeah, maybe they just go with UberX and mm. they just, you give up 5% of the rides or 10% of the rides to have more profit. I mean, you can't have a service where basically a VC is paying thirty percent of your fare. That it doesn't work in the long term. This comes back to what we were to what we were talking about, you know. And but that um, was SoftBank's bet, right? Is yeah, that I know. We I, actually can fund those losses as SoftBank, and so you achieve such scale that then you're essentially the monopoly of who can charge whatever you want. And hasn't that worked marvels? Right. For well, them? well the, if it has worked well for Amazon, I'll tell you that. I was going to say it's yeah. worked many, yeah. many times. Hmm. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable for people to see companies losing money over a decade or two. It's just, I think civilians and even people who are professionals in the stock market, they just don't understand it. So look what they did to Amazon for a decade. They were like, mm. this company's a disaster. Now they are throwing money at it. It's a trillion dollar company. Um, and so, you know, the public markets just want to have an idea that Uber and Lyft can be profitable at some point. And now you saw Uber got rid of the Uber Eats in India. They sold to the local pattern right, and got cool. 10% or 20% of it. And Same pattern in China a few years back. Yeah, they did that with Didi, and they own seventeen percent of Didi, which is a hundred. I think will be a hundred, two hundred billion dollar company. Yeah. So they'll make, you know, seventeen billion just doing that. Well, I mean, Yahoo's taken Alibaba. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that kept, the, like that kept them afloat for years. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the motivating factor, and I think Bill Gurley's fingerprints are on that. Like, if we can't win China, like, let's get a piece of the winner, mm. and that strategy is working. So I think Uber is going to wind up racing to profitability very quickly. Um, faster than people think. I don't have inside information anymore. I did before when it was a private company, but as a public company, I don't know anybody over there anymore, but they're going to race there. Did you guys see this column deck for the, for the, I heard about it this morning. Yeah. yeah. All right. So here's the background. There is, um, 
a person named Dr. Aaron Ping D'Souza. He's the CEO of this, maybe. Or Sarah Cohn, who's a opinionated, uh, spirited, I'll uh, use the word, uh, venture capitalist who's blocked me on Twitter. Uh, and she and he may or may not be the CEOs of this company. One of them's the CEO. Um, and their deck leaked to MIT. And it's a pretty good idea, I think. Um, get a bunch of influencers to invest $100,000 and get 500 of them or 250 of them to fund the company. So it'd be like starting Facebook over and saying, Oprah, Obama, whoever, use this social network and give us 100K, which CAA had a, a Twitter clone. I forgot the name of it. But Endeavor or CAA had a Twitter clone. You can look it up, Nick. Um, the CAA Twitter clone. And they were paying their you know stars their talent. to their yeah. talent to tweet it but the thing that was particularly deranged about this was this slide <laughs> where this looks like a mess grief. this is embarrassing <laughs> it's so embarrassing and deranged so when you're fundraising you have a pipeline mm-hmm. these are your targets and in this deck that they're sending to people they say they have peter Thiel and rob hayes who's rob hayes is a friend of mine peter Thiel's uh, been on the pod uh, rob hayes has been on the pod i'm not sure um, and then they put that those two are committed for the founding columns. The idea is a column is like a newspaper mm-hmm. column. Yeah. That they have a meeting scheduled with one person. They're in discussions with Mark Benioff and they have an intro to LDC and Ariana Huffington <laughs> and Kanye and Nicholas Bergruen. Like, and then they need an intro to Bill Gates and Michael Dell and Aaron Sorkin. Who's and on it? Come on. D and Obama, one word. And DVF, which is Diane. Oh, they've got Jeremy Clarkson on there. Anyway, <sighs> and then they have founding launch partners, Social Impact Capital, which is this is real. I literally, this would be like hmm. it's so deranged and bizarre that they're sharing who they want to be their investors and partners for this in their deck. It looks so corny and deranged. And talk about scaring off your people who are already committed. Yeah. That's not good. Not yeah, good I mean, these all. are the just, when, when you have a just four founders watching. When an investor asks, I get this question a lot from people I invest in, young founders. When they ask you who you're talking to, they're probing. You're not obligated to tell them who you're talking to. You can say, yeah, you know, we've got meetings with the usual suspects. We've had a lot of inbound. And so we're doing two weeks of meetings. And then we're going to ask people to have their term sheet in in the third week of February. And then we're going to go to our board and the founders are going to discuss the term sheets. And we're going to make a decision by March 1st. That's our process. We'd love to have you participate in it. Is there anything? They say, oh, yeah. So so who's on the short list? And you say, you know, we, we obviously wouldn't tell people that we're talking to you. We, we want to keep that private for all parties, you know. Uh, but, you know, usual suspects. We met with everybody. That's how you answer that question. Putting it in your deck mm. of who your targets are is so thirsty. Is that the word the kids are using, Nick? Thirsty? Yeah, that's a good one. Thirsty. They're th- so thirsty and deranged. I think this is a try hard. <sighs> Trying too hard. TTH. Yes. yes. But thirsty is what came after TTH. Oh, okay, see, boomer? you're hipper than me. I'm okay, totally boomer. boomering out right now. You are, <laughs> yes. But you're not a boomer. You're Gen X. <laughs> I told anybody says, okay, boomer to me on Twitter, and this has been proven. I will. If you say, okay, boomer to me, I will say, okay, snowflake, and then I block you. <laughs> okay, so my kids say it to me all the time. Do they really? And now oh, really? their retort, because I'm not a boomer, is That's that it's a joke. A, mom, it's a state of mind. Ugh. Exactly. Yes, it's now. Wait, a state how of mind. old are these kids? They're teenagers. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's 14, 16, Here's 17. Here's the thing there are ramifications. 
That's that's one of the great things about parenting is that, like there can be there can be uh, ramifications to behavior. Has London okay boomered you yet? She, oh, London, my daughter <laughs> London has not okay boomered me. Oh. I get it almost every single. But day. she is the and I'm pretty hip. And I get okay boomered all the time. The the now they lose their biggest phones. mistake I made with my daughter was I taught her how to negotiate. Oh, of course you did. And oh. that was the stupidest thing I could have ever done. It was very unwise. Because um. she's like, "Can we talk?" And I'm just like, "Here we oh, go." Oh no, <laughs> here we go. Sit down, Dad. And she's like, "You know, I saw the It trailer, and it was very scary two years ago. <laughs> but I'm two years older, and I'm not actually scared of the trailer because I watched it on my iPad." So I kind of feel like I should see it. And I'm like, I, I know you feel like that, but I am not going to parent-teacher meeting saying I let you watch the most gory, insane, horrific flick about murdering and eating children by a deranged clown. Mm. Sorry, London. Yeah. Imagine when me you're... trying to moderate screen time on video games. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, you don't have the uh, high ground. Oh, You're like, no. Mom. No moral high ground. Mom, this is paying for my dress fund. <laughs> the more I play, yes, Mom. the more I get paid. I'm working right now, Mom. <laughs> I'm doing user testing. I'm Absolutely. doing research for you. Yes, they are. They're doing market research is what I'm hearing lately. Oh, my God. <laughs> so anyway, I like the idea column. This is an idea that's been out there for a long time. I tried to find somebody, and I love the idea of getting 250 creators together. did the... Paul Allen try to come up with something like this? It's possible. It's like dating myself, but I feel like a long time ago he wanted well, to do Well, what people like wanted to do was – um, yeah, here it is. The, I, this is my tweet. The idea is great, um, and I got pitched this for YouTube competitors when that was happening. Hmm. And the idea for the YouTube one was get 20 – and I talked to Casey uh, Neistat about it who was on the pod and other people. And I said, do you think this is viable? And they're like, well, we're not going to leave YouTube. Nobody's leaving YouTube. But I was like, mm. what if you got 250 YouTubers together, ask them to put $25,000 into this company and they get 80% of the shares and then 20% is kept by the management team uh, to hire great managers. And mm -hmm. it's you know a parallel YouTube universe that you can promote. And then if it goes public, they own 1% each or 2% each. This could be amazing. Mm -hmm. um, if it was 80 of them, let's say, and they each owned 1%. Now, is this ad-free? We'll just ad make free? the intro to Obama because he's going to be in. Yeah. Well, I think the targets itself. are deranged. The check writes itself. The other thing about the, the target list here is it's so thirsty <laughs> and it's such a flex to be like Obama and DVF and – like these people are not but I love it digital natives. I love that they're no. putting it on everybody else. Like, so get on that potential investor. I need my intro to Obama. Oh, oh yeah, that <laughs> is like implied. Yeah. I think what, this what was leaked. What do you leaked. have for me? This is clearly was leaked. <laughs> I, I'm just not sure I believe that it's real. It's so <clears throat> crazy. Um, Some of those names, though, they're controversial names. Is that the idea? Well, yeah, the guy, and I'm not the guy is the guy who. But. Oh, I forgot to mention this. The guy, Doctor D'Souza who's the CEO, or maybe Sarah Cohn is the CEO. She claims yeah. she's the CEO. So that bodes well for the investment <laughs> when the two founders yeah. don't know who the CEO no, is. One of the CEOs has a venture fund that's funding it, which is also bizarre when a VC decides they're going to be CEO of a company they're funding. Is that's that a, a huge red flag. But DeSouza is the guy who architect architected Peter Thiel's takedown of Gawker, which I loved the takedown of Gawker because they were doing such horrible things to – you know, gay men and outing them and yeah. revenge porn and all this horrible stuff. I, I don't like the idea of being able to sue publishers into oblivion. I'm sure you have strong feelings on uh, this. Very strong feelings on that. Yeah. But I mean, okay. 
But he's the guy who architected. He came to Peter and said, did you know that I could, if you gave me 10 million bucks, manage a bunch of lawsuits because there's so many people disgruntled who Mm. can't sue Gawker. But if we did that, they would have like a dozen lawsuits that they wouldn't be able to fight. And eventually they would go bankrupt and then we could buy it. And I think there was, I think the pitch had a call to social good as well. It was, if you don't do it, who's going to fight for these people? Yeah, that was Peter's. View on it. Peter's Mm. like, only I can defend myself. And spend millions of dollars fighting this. Yes. Um, yeah, it's. I when you're right. I don't like seeing publications sued out of, uh, into into oblivion. I have to say, Gawker in the court case just made it very hard to like them. It's just like, yeah. is there anything you wouldn't print? So, um, if no. somebody was like twelve or something, you know, yeah. Like, oh, oh my god, that absurdist answer. I, I know the guy who said that, and I felt bad for him because he was clearly being absurdist. They're like, is there yeah. an age at which you wouldn't publish? Uh, you know, a sex tape. And he was like, obviously. And then he made a joke. He's like eight years old. But you never make a joke in court. And like just generally know. speaking in court, not the time for jokes. The lawyers yeah. wanted to, to, to like crawl under the table. I don't know table. who briefed this person. Like, don't make jokes. Oh. Here's your standard answers. And certainly pedophilia jokes, pedo jokes. Gonna yeah. Tell you, like, Off limits. Yeah, probably not a great They place. might even get you sued for defamation. All roads lead back to Elon Musk. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he won. He won. He did win. He beat pedo guy. Because I love that he was that like, it's a playground I'm sorry, not taunt. pedo guy. Like, Don't sue me, pedo guy. <laughs> I mean, not pedo guy. It's a new playground When I say taunt. pedo guy, I mean creepy guy. Doesn't everybody yeah. know that? It was an That's in- what I meant. So it obvious. It was an interesting legal argument, I have to say. I was surprised by that verdict. Well, It played I, to I, common sense. I thought it was actually brilliant. Yeah, mm-hmm. when he, he, Elon was like, I'm not suing him for saying that I should Take care, yeah. make love to my submarine, <laughs> which is what he told me. He should not. Take yes, it literally on Twitter right. when two 12-year-olds are making fun of each other. This is not What I thought was hilarious actionable. was that we say this all the time in South Africa. Hello. Oh, grief. Yeah. <laughs> Very common insult in South Africa. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> as, a, as, as a journalist, I have to say the, the thing that had just told him when it first came out, that he'd sent an email to a journalist saying, this is off the record. It is never off the record unless you and the journalist agree it. Just right. saying, even then it's, it's just off a, the, even that it's a handshake. Okay, even I didn't yeah. know that. Until that whole thing came oh, wow. out. So understand that's a handshake. That's not no, that, so if you tell yeah. a journalist something that is so juicy that, that they're willing to burn you mm. on it, mm. or if you told them about a crime or something, they're going to- That's the one yeah. time an you, you could, I think, ethically, that's the one time you could burn someone if there was a serious crime involved. A serious um, crime. But if they but were, if they said like- I've was, never broken off the record, but then again, I don't do a lot of background briefings and I don't like doing off the record because- if you're not prepared to put your name to it, I'm not prepared to print it. But can't you take the offer record stuff and then go source it somewhere else? So you, you can, and it's useful for that sometimes. But one thing, a trend we've seen in certain Apple pioneered this and a lot of tech firms have done it, is when you go to a PR for a, for a comment, they will say, right, well, we can give you just a we have no comment, but we can talk to you on background. And that's really divisive because it's basically saying, this is the narrative we want to tell you but we're not going to put our name to it. And yeah, in certain cases, you can source it from outside, but nine times out of ten, it's just, we don't want to make a public record, but here's our take on, on it. Background. Maybe you'd like to, yeah, on background, maybe you'd like to add that into your piece. Yeah. And I'm sorry, if you don't, if you can't, not prepared to put your name on it, it shouldn't be printed. All right, wrapping up here, the UK and France uh, have digital taxes. France, UK, and other EU countries want to limit tech giants' ability to avoid taxes. They argue taxes should be based on where digital activity takes place not where the firms are headquartered. U.S. has threatened to impose retaliatory tariffs on $2.4 billion in French goods, including champagne and cheese. And After whiskey. the tax and they passed have- uh, in July 
19. Well, they announced a whiskey tariff as well, and I immediately went out and panic bought because, you know, it's like, I'm half scorched. You can't get by without that. Not with Burnside coming up. It's, Panic bot, is that really your cover for buying two cases of Jameson? <laughs> really? It's my story the and story I'm sticking to it. <laughs> France has agreed to delay the tax. Uh, oh, the French surrendered? Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> the French have agreed. Sorry to the French fans. Or no, no, my, French my, my, my favorite French joke, why is the Champs-Élysées lined with trees? It's so the German army can march in the shade. But <laughs> <laughs> France has agreed to delay the tax until the end of 2020. Reproachment was result of conversion conversations between Trump and President Macron on Monday. Uh, yeah, the UK will cave too. Of course, um, they've got a trade. Yeah, they've got a trade deal, trade deal coming up. I, I'm torn on this because I think the tech industry is like unions, so of course you are. No, no, it's, I think the tech industries have made a, a rod for their own back. In that, yes, a certain amount of tax avoidance is expected, but they've really been taking the piss with this in Europe. I mean, but this is where people are using the service. Yeah, but I mean, they're paying if someone, someone like Amazon, for example, is selling a billion dollars worth of good goods in the UK and paying maybe under a hundred thousand in corporation tax. You can't help feeling that there is something out of kilter there. Yeah, well, what, what are they? What are they getting? What's the corporation getting from paying the tax? They're doing in another in country. The UK. But the, the whole purpose of tax is there's an exchange. I'm paying a tax because you're providing me something. I mean, it's some infrastructure, some something. Mm. There's some benefit. There's some My trade here. My employees are yeah. in school. That's right. They and drive on the right. streets. The exactly. police are there. So when I use up your resources, then okay, I'm I'm going to pay Amazon some tax dri- for that. Yeah, right? Amazon drives on the That's roads. Right. They, you know, so why not pay their fair share for that? But this is somebody sitting in like. So if there's an app and someone's you know, getting revenue from the app in the France, what, what's going to happen gonna, is that the consumers are going to pay for this. Well, the, t- the corporations aren't going to say, like, you know what, you're right. Let me pay way more in taxes and not pass Which that along to the consumer. Which is why these sort of bills are now being floated, and they are severely flawed bills. But this is exactly why these sort of bills are being... There should be I mean, something reasonable. They should just come up with something that says, like, listen, yeah. if you make a billion dollars on advertising in Europe, you pay something, 2% of the top line, you know, to the EU but, I mean, countries the, the or whatever. The double Irish and the, and the Dutch tax dollars, they have been stretched to the absolute limit and people are getting really, really angry. Well, how do people perceive the Irish doing this? Because everybody, Ireland let people put their yeah. headquarters there for background and not pay any taxes or pay yeah, 1%. or pay a pay ridiculous. And then when or, the EU, Or even a flat number, I think. Yeah, when, when the EU actually went through and said, you know, this is unlawful, they actually, the Irish government fought for Apple not to pay taxes. They, right. It was it was that serious. And people actually, um, my favorite story, U2, um, were famously headquartered in Ireland because of the artist thing. And then when that got taken away, they moved to Denmark, they moved to the Netherlands, sorry. Huh. And The Edge gave the most fantastic rock and roll quote, which was, who wouldn't, be, who wouldn't want to be more tax efficient? And you're like, yeah, play that. Yeah, there you go, fighting the man. Yeah, rock and roll. Uh, Sunday, bloody <laughs> Sunday. Yeah, really. Wow, we've come so far. Ah, oh, indeed. Yeah, it's... It's, jurisdictions have the right to offer better tax incentives. That's certainly. part of the game. That's right. Hmm. But they're, they want the companies there. You know what the stupid thing is with these companies is the companies should be self-aware enough to know that paying no taxes yeah. is not the, sustaining. Yeah, and the optics are so bad that on an optics basis, to just do it so efficiently that you pay no taxes, mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous. There should be some self-awareness about that and just say absolutely you know i listen i'm jeff bezos i'm the richest guy on the planet I, i'm gonna make sure amazon pays its fair share or 
But what's if, fair share? Isn't that the... That's well, just, that, that's, some minimum. That's, that's tough. That's there should be a minimum. At the moment, yeah, I philosophically agree. It's like just when you get into the specifics, it's tough. It's like, what is fair share? What's the... I would I'm say self-aware, 1% of top line. I'm still delivering sh- you know, shareholder value. Even but if you're losing money, you should differ, say yeah. 1% of top line. Even if I've lost mm-hmm. money that year, I pay 1% of top line. Just something to have skin in the game. And shareholders are okay with that? I think that they should be because they're literally like building guillotines on Market Street here in San Francisco. Like they're, they're the, I mean, you have a, the two candidates that are, you know, leading the pack are Warren and Bernie for a reason. Yeah. I mean, they want to come to Silicon Valley and chop our heads off, you know, or not me, but people with more money than me. And, and I don't know. It'll get to you. Well, I mean, to pay for their plans, it's going to get to you. I know, eventually. Yes. Yeah. There's no way they can pay for it with the people they're talking about. But it's really great to say, like, tax those people. Not you. It's Those people. Yeah. You I, know, mean, I mean, this is the problem I have with Bernie. Um, but, I mean, it's just – I think it comes back to – I cover financials. Well, you know, we're just coming into the end of the financial results week, and I'm sick of covering financial stories. I bet. But at the same time, when you go through them and you look at the figures and you see how much tax these companies aren't paying – it's really, it's a really bad look, and it will. That's the, thing that's I'm the talking about. yeah, it's that's the just, kind of thing that leads to populism, and burn the I don't understand and, Trump's tax break was like completely unnecessary, and the debt hmm. was going out of control. So why do we need? Why don't we instead of doing another tax break, like why don't we just I pay know. down the debt a bit, or wouldn't it be I'm, a little I'm bit a more conservative fiscally? when it comes to fiscal stuff? And I, the, all right, let's the, talk the about the, the election. Exploded, but yeah, <laughs> oh, no. here we go. Oh, no. I'm I am wearing my mic. I am for Mike. I like Mike. I'm all Mike Bloomberg. I'm all in. Mike Bloomberg is at 13 or 14% in the trading markets where people are putting dollars, which tells you something. And then he shot up to 7 or 8% and then 13% in some polls. Mike's going to win. You heard it here first. Trump's going to win. I'm assuming, no, I think Trump is going to lose to Bloomberg. I, I you think, think Trump, Trump is going to win. Yeah. Okay. I what think you... Trump wins in a landslide. Wow. It's going to be embarrassing. Wow. Really? Yes. Your boy Mike's going to get smashed. Really? Yes. <laughs> Why? Why do you think that? I think pe- the- we're on the coast, so I don't think we get it. I don't think we truly understand how much people feel like he speaks for them. Yeah. And this, all the stuff about the um, impeachment is just calling more and more and more votes for him. Well, here are the odds. Uh, party nomination odds plus 900, which means if you bet a dollar, you get nine. Correct, Nick? President election odds plus 16. You bet a dollar, you get $16. Pretty good bet. As I got to say, you're the, you're the first person I've met who was considering voting for Mike Bloomberg. No one seems to like him. I think he when he gets into the debates, <laughs> when he gets into the debates, people are going to appreciate him. He He's is smart. the most qualified He's of smart. anybody. There's you, nobody hmm. more qualified. 12 years as New York City's mayor. He right. did a great job yes. running Bloomberg. Amazing job. Correct. I just want the most qualified person. Um, but that's not who's going to win. You just asked who was going to win. Yeah. Well, I, I think politics. Who are, who are people know. voting for here? Who's, uh, no, you know, you're never going to get anybody's honest answer. Everyone's going to lie to you. Really? You're that's what happened that. last time. Yeah. Everybody lied. That's Everybody what happened like, in the UK election last right? time as well. I was like, oh, no, no I wouldn't oh, vote for I, Boris I, at I all. Voted, okay. Totally. <laughs> my taxes are coming down. You know? No, they didn't. There were so many. There were clearly so many Trump voters who didn't admit they were Trump voters. And so everyone's going to pretend actually, they're not a Trump voter now. I know what. A non-zero, a, a non-one number of people in Silicon Valley, who, if faced with Warren or Bernie, and these are as left as left comes yeah. people, say that's too far left, and I would vote for Trump if forced to vote for Warren or Bernie, because I don't want to send the the 
remaining a capitalist society as opposed to going that far into the socialist sort of realm or wealth tax plus, you know, banning the billionaires rhetoric. They just think or splitting up tech companies. They just think it's, it's too much. It's overreaching and they would hold their nose and vote for Trump. But if there's somebody who's a more centrist candidate. Biden. Yeah, I actually think if yeah, it's Biden and Trump, a, he's just such a pillock. I mean, I'm <laughs> he's sorry. I need some translation. Yeah, no, Sir Charles Pillock. He's drunk. <laughs> no, We're gonna no, say that that's Trump. He's Sir so Charles, drunk all the time. Just, doofus, such a doofus. Thank <laughs> you. It's it's just you know, I mean, he he got caught uh, nicking Neil Kinnock's speeches. He's been lying about what he's doing. All right, Charles line. nicking, <laughs> it, uh, stealing. Means. Sorry, stealing. Yeah, okay, nicking. Got it. It's just you know, he, and I. I know people who who would who would like to vote for Bernie or Warren or you know other candidates, but it's just they look at Biden. It's like Hillary Mark two, and Trump will beat him like a redheaded stepchild. It's just he's going to lose against Trump. All right, I think you just got canceled on Twitter. <laughs> I, think. I mean, I know Kristen and I. We, we both got canceled in the a first long time ago. First segment, first segment we, we were took done. You three segments, we but done. congratulations. The, the the gingers are going to be on Twitter, and they are not a forgiving bunch. You are screwed. <laughs> They're going to cancel. Well, no, but I mean, it's the one thing I would say in in favor of Warren and Bernie is that you've got to sort out the healthcare system in this country. In this country, absolutely, because we would love to hire in this country, but we can't afford to because the medical premiums are so high. That's no, crazy. But then you need to handle lawyers. I totally agree with you. Yeah. But it's like we solve these problems in the most ridiculous way, but we have a completely out of control tort we're, system. We're paying the most and getting the least. Yeah. Correct. And this is where I think somebody like Bloomberg can actually be super effective because he might come out and say, um, you know, here's something reasonable that we can all agree on that brings us closer to, you know, getting more value per dollar we spend. But do you think anything reasonable is going to win? <sighs> that is the rub. I I, you know, know, here's the I thing. I thought Biden I- was going to trounce him because it was looking so good. But yeah. I think Biden's son, Hunter, is so dirty and corrupt that there's going to be two or three things yeah, that come out. I don't out. think Americans Hello, really Ivanka? understand what's going on, but they think oh, it's- I, 100, There's nobody more corrupt than the Trump family. Yeah. Like, I, I think that like the Madoffs look at them as like, <laughs> you know, like the clear path to being more just in life. Like, right. Yeah. That's their like model for maybe redemption as being as corrupt as the Trumps. Like. But it's it's a, it's putting America at a serious competitive you know disadvantage. Anybody this. who ever, what's the most you've been on p- boards of companies? No. Okay, you have people who are boards on your company. Yes, of course. And you know all about boards. You've heard of, of different friends who are on I used boards. To be a lawyer. Yes. Okay, what is the most a board member ever got paid in your experience? Oof. In cash or, or and or cash? the cash equivalent in stock over whatever number of years. Cash for going to board meetings. Uh, I could only think of a couple cases where it's even millions. Yeah, in stock. Correct. Never in cash. Any? Have you ever heard of cash compensation for a board? It has. It's like sometimes it goes through peaks and valleys. It becomes the thing du jour. 25K, 50K. It's de minimis. It's so small It is what they make. It literally would be like 25 or 50K. Correct. And you get travel. I've been on boards yep, where they yep. paid for business class That's travel right. for me. Very nice. And late stage, you might get paid a little bit more. But this is not... You're talking about 25, 50K yeah, a year, I've maybe 100. 100 grand. I got offered 100 grand recently to be uh, on a board. Of, I won't say what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm considering it. I don't know. Like, I don't need the money, but it's kind of stupid to not take it, I guess. And it was kind of intellectually yeah, interesting. Like the company, yeah. Hmm. It was 100 dimes and I need money because I got three girls and I got expenses. Yeah. Anyway... Um. Yeah, that to me, the Hunter Biden thing is 
tragic because Joe Biden, I think, would have won. And I think the Republicans got what they wanted, which was to just hammer home exactly how corrupt he is. And mm. if one yeah, of my kids, I'm just, yeah, there's that he's too. He's got a creepy factor. He got a little creepy factor. He does like to put his hands it's on like people. like smelling people. And like he just does weird things. Or, or like he just, there was a video of him tapping somebody on the chest yeah. who disagree with him. Like, he, a little too looked, physical. looked a little aggressive. As, as, like, a, yeah. as a foreigner or an immigrant to this country, this is what I find so bizarre. Yes, he, you're right. He is creepy and he is touchy. But we've got Mr. Grabham by the as the president. Oh, uh, 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 oh sorry, uh, I couldn't say. Okay. Oh, uh, are you going to have to go ahead and beep that one? Okay. Trying to keep ourselves on iTunes. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, Tim my Cook. apologies. That was an apologies effort. to Tim Cook. Um, all right. Well, as we uh, as we wrap up here, we're going to have a quick call in um, from Ben Horowitz. Wanted to call in uh, and give his view um, on the. Um, on the column deck because uh, I just got a text from Ben Horowitz that he was going to call in um, because he's considering he was on the column deck. Okay. Um, so uh, can we get Ben on the line? Hello. You've reached the offices of two-time New York Times best-selling author Ben Horowitz. He's not available right now. Please leave a message. All right. Well, we couldn't get Ben on the line. I don't know what's going on. I, he just texted me, so I apologize. But we'll have Ben on the next show. He, uh, you know, obviously a big fan. Um, he just actually wrote a really nice um, tweet about the show. So thank you, Ben, for that. All right. Um, I think we talked about everything. Let's all get back to work. Uh, Ian Thompson on uh, the Twitter, I-A-I-N-T-H-O-M-S-O-N. And he is uh, over at The Register, a great publication, read it every day. Uh, and of course, Kristen Dumont is from Machine Zone. Uh, if you are um, into games, casual games on your phone, uh, more than casual, right? Mid to hardcore, remember? Mid to hardcore, right, yeah, yeah. What's the, what's the line again between casual and mid to hardcore? Essentially, it's strategy, How you know. I've been playing Polytopia. Can everyone play it or can only smart people play it? Ah, mm. the onboarding time. Yeah, to learn the game is intense. Yeah, that's what I when It's I not like two minutes or less and you pick up the whole game. These games take a lot of time to learn them. And is it revealed complexity where you give people like little educations during the game? Correct. That's what I found with StarCraft is I've started like all of a sudden this guy had like these crazy robots going against me. I was like, how do you make those? And I had to look it up. And then you get curious and then you get hooked. <coughs> and deeper and deeper you go. And then I was like, I'm a 49-year-old man with three kids and 200 investments. What am I doing here? I'm playing Makes a game. Makes you smarter. You know what it does? I find before I go to bed, if I play a game and like listen to a podcast and just have a cup of tea, it kind of winds me down for the evening. It's more yeah. interesting than watching a TV show I'm finding. That Calm app changed yeah. my life. Oh, Yum yum! Really? Uh, literally, I, I I mean, I never, I cannot sleep. Period. That <coughs> calm app is awesome. Ah. All right, thank you for that. Um, and Calm is hiring a creative director. And I'm not an investor. <laughs> and, I, and I own five or six percent of the company. Oh, you so, do? Uh, oh. Yeah, it's my second biggest investment. Yeah, my I God, it's, it's fantastic. Phenomenal. Like no more Ambien, nothing. It's like the, it is unbelievable. If you're taking Ambien or Which other is, I heard Lunesta or any of the stuff, yeah. I think. I don't know this, but you should do research and consult with your doctor because I think Ambien and Lunesta are horrible yeah, for your brain. Yeah, they're taking them oh. off the market, and it's terrifying. I took it once for a trip for a flight back to London, and I've for done the that, next yeah. the next two um, the next day, I was sitting. I was supposed to meet someone for lunch. It was eleven o'clock. I'll have a cup of tea and then get get moving. Woke up at three o'clock, drool coming down my face, just blanked completely. I just fallen asleep. It's horrifying. Yeah, it's stuff. kind of scary. I've, I've taken it to travel. And then I heard started to hear rumors about it. And it's actually quite scary. So I tried melatonin, all kinds of stuff. It doesn't mm. matter. 
that there's some sort of tea you can drink. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I've done the Ambien thing on flights, and then uh, I know people have done the Provigil uh, or Mondafil, oh, yeah. which is okay. the anti-narcolepsy yeah. drug. Yeah. And I just met an artist, I'd say top 30 music artist in the world right now, hmm. top 20 maybe even. Behind Elon. they, behind Elon, yeah. And they were on Provigil uh, permanently. And I was like, you Ew. need to check with your doctor. Like, that's not a good thing. And they were, they, I'm not going to reveal the gender, said um, that it helped them with their ADHD or something. And I was like, wow, people who are famous can get whatever they want. <laughs> But don't take Ambien, Provigil, or Lunesta without talking to your – getting multiple doctor recommendations. Because mm. my understanding is these things are doing weird stuff to people's brains. Yeah. It's as are the SRIs. Altering the chemistry of the brain. Yeah. Nobody knows. And I, I'm in my school uh, and they are very – the teachers don't do this. But the consultants are like, yeah, your kid's not writing perfect penmanship. I'm like, yeah, who cares? Yeah. Like they're going to be typing anyway. Like is this a big deal? And there are – there are parents, I, ha I know a parent who put their kid on one of these SRIs, I don't know, Ritalin or whatever, and they're like, yeah, it's amazing. Like, they went from, like, not being good at math to being ahead in math, and now they're writing. And I'm like, is that worth messing with your child's brain yeah. chemistry to be six months ahead instead of six months behind or have some schools are now enforcing, you know, this kid has ADHD, therefore it must be on Ritalin. <laughs> And you're really? Like, and who's the yeah. school to say that anyway? Exactly. It's, it's outrageous, so dumb. especially, I mean, I, I, my, I have a little girl, but my boys, I used to fight this fight at school all the time. Look, they have a ton of energy. And the thing you do when they're misbehaving is then you bench them so that they can't mm. go out and recess, which is the very thing they need to do. They need to go run around. Yeah. So yeah. Schools, I think schools are now are built adapting for, for that. a completely different yes. way to learn. And they're yeah. adapting now where the kids with ADHD, they're saying, go ahead and go for a run in the yard. They're well, actually have to. encouraging them to do that. Like, go for a walk around the building yeah. and come back. Mm. Yeah. Uh, which is easy to do in California where you have these nice outdoor schools, but yeah. harder to do in the Bronx Yeah, well, Brooklyn. not to plug your Calm app. I'm telling you, that thing is – there's nothing has worked, and that um, thing is unbelievable. Okay. Uh, I uh, I agree. It's amazing. Um, all right. Anything else? To, I, get, I got everything, right, Nick? We're good? All right. We'll see you all. Uh, and thanks. Um, sorry to Ben Horowitz. Apologies again, but we'll get you on the next pod because uh, we're just running out of time and you're not picking up your phone. So uh, I'll see you um, at the Warriors game and uh, we're going to keep the news roundtable going. Bye bye.